Hello, Divine Tribe. Welcome back to Planet Divinity, where we are growing, healing, and creating evolutionary change. I hope you guys liked the past two episodes because this episode is finally going to be, drumroll please, my story. (laughs) I feel like I've definitely, you know, had like people share their stories and I loved hearing different perspectives on what it was like for people in CPS. So I figured now that people have come on here, shared the stories, we kind of warmed you up a little bit. Now I'm going to give you the full on story. Just note that this is not going to be everything. I definitely cannot sum up my life in an hour, (laughs) but I'm going to do my best to just give you a summary of each and every point in my life. So hopefully that you can take from my story because my story is my testimony and the things that I've been through, the experiences that I've been through have shaped me into who I am today and I would not be the person that I am. I would not be Shira Divine <laughs> if I did not go through what I had to go through. So keep that in mind and this week's affirmation is going to be, I forgive myself for all of the past mistakes and this is such a good thing to keep in mind whenever we're sharing our stories or even we're looking back on the past we can have a lot of guilt for the things that we've done because we all make mistakes right that's what life is about it's about making mistakes it's about learning lessons and evolving your spirit and just growing (laughs) okay we are this is earth school i like i said you've heard me say this many times We are here to make mistakes so that we can learn lessons and grow and evolve on our spiritual journey. So do not judge yourself for anything that you've done in the past. I'm definitely not going to be judging myself. I've, you know, gone kind of gone through the process of forgiving. Haven't fully like I I don't think anyone's fully healed, but I definitely am at that point where I'm just like, I'm not going to hold any grudges against myself for the things that I've done in the past. And you shouldn't either. Okay, because your story is your testimony as well. It's how you grow and evolve, and it's made you the person that you are today. Oh, so getting into it, I, oh my goodness, I feel like I've just been dreading this for so long because I'm like, I don't even know, like I know exactly what to say, but I know that I can kind of go off into some tangents and just, I, I really want you guys to get like the full picture of my story. I want you to like as I'm saying this I want you to picture yourself in my shoes so like while I'm describing this imagine this like a story time okay this is a story time so while I'm going through this journey and telling you everything I want you to put yourself in that position act like this is your story (laughs) okay act like you know you're directly experiencing it because this is going to be like It's just going to put you in that mode, okay? There's a certain mood that I'm going for. So, like, in order to get into that, I want you to pretend that this is your story and this is a story time or this is a story time that you're listening to. Okay, enough stalling. (laughs) I'm going to get into it. So, um, I was born May 5th, 2005, 555 gang. That is the number of change. And I think that is really suited for my journey, for my spiritual journey. I really resonate with the number 555. Um, And my name, Shira, actually means brightness. I always feel called to point that out because that's going to be 
good for the story later, but my name does mean brightness. My actual, like, government name <laughs> is La Shira, but I kind of don't associate with that name. I think that it resonates with a past version of me, and I'm kind of stepping into my Shira era, my brightness. But yeah, so I was born 555, name means brightness, and even before I was born, my family dynamic was very, very toxic. So just off the bat, like before I even came into this world, it was a hot ass mess. <laughs> my mother was a child. She was about 12, 13. God knows how old she was when she met my dad. But essentially, my mom got pregnant with me when she was 13, and my dad was, like, well into his 30s, maybe, like, late 20s, early 30s, and so that's obviously, like, very disgusting, and if you're a grown man, you should not be dating a child. That's, like, literally two generations behind, but, <laughs> um, so yeah, my mom basically was groomed, and it's it's not her fault either because her mom and her dad were just like drug addicts, they didn't pay much attention to her, and she basically could just do whatever she wanted to, and thus looking for validation elsewhere, and finding it in men that really didn't give a shit about her, and she got trapped in that cycle, and she had me, and I will always say like, it's such a miracle that I was even born, because can you imagine just being 13 and having a kid? Most 13-year-olds would abort that kid, like, I'm just keeping it real. Most kids who, like, have that experience are going to have an abortion because that's not something that a, a child would want for themselves. So it's a miracle that I'm even here. It's a miracle that that even, like, happened, um, which is why I feel so strongly that I, I am here for a huge purpose, thus 555. Like, God put so many signs in my in my name and in my story so that I never forget who I am. But yeah, so the fa family dynamic was very shitty, like off rip. And growing up, I I, I kind of really don't have that many memories of like being a child. I, I can kind of recall some things. My grandma told me a little bit about like from when I was born to up until age three, four, um, just kind of like, my mom would hit me for random, like, I was a little baby, I don't think you should ever put your hands on a baby, that's just, like, so much trauma, but my grandma would tell me that my mom used to, like, beat the hell out of me, even when I was a baby, for just doing little stuff that babies do, like, getting into things that they're not supposed to, or just crying, or whatever, and so I really felt like I didn't get that, like, love just from birth, my mom wasn't the type of person that was just gonna like cuddle me and be like, oh my gosh, this is a miracle baby. She came into the world. I love her so much. It was not like that. It was quite the opposite. And I feel like she resented me because I took away her childhood, you know, and she didn't really have um, a good family, like a good stable family or unconditional love. So like she couldn't even offer that to me if she wanted to. But yeah, so it, it was just really traumatic off-rip, and um, the earliest childhood memories that I have are just, like, going in elementary school, and I remember even just at a young age, I would be put in so much adult situations, like, just looking back at my inner child, 
I was around like eight or nine and my parents would like fight and um I think my siblings were still like my brother hadn't been born yet and my sister was like really really little and my parents would start fighting and it was really bad to like the point where you know my my dad had like a butter knife up to my mom's neck and they were just like really like uh they were getting into it and that was just like a really traumatic memory for me that I always remember and after that they're just like coming up to me and they're like we're getting a divorce you have to choose who you're going with and um my dad was like crying to me and he was giving me his phone and he's like here you can have everything like everything that I have you can like everything that I own you can have because I'm just gonna leave you guys and you know me being a child I'm just like no like where are you going like I want my parents to stay together I don't want this I don't want you guys to break up like you guys are my parents I love you guys like please stay together so basically trying to just like fix the situation and obviously when you're a child you're gonna think well is it me like they're bringing me into the situation they're bringing me into like their hurts and their pain so like obviously I have to carry that and um yeah so just little stuff like that that they would put me through in like middle school when my sister was growing up I remember that like my mom like I said she was very like mean the whole entire time that I had stayed with them like my parents they were just really mean and cruel they like I always grew up thinking like they don't care about me they only care about each other that was my mentality because it just seemed like my mom hated me like genuinely I felt like she just had no love towards me at all there would be certain times where we would have like a bonding moment but other than that like it would just go back right back to how it was and when we were in middle school and my sister was growing up like my I think my sister had trouble in school and my mom would literally sit there and beat the shit out of her and call her stupid and call her all sorts of names just because she didn't know something that was like on her homework or whatever and like that's the type of things that we would have to endure and that's never okay like you should not beat a child or mistreat them call them stupid just because you know they don't know something and that was kind of like the dynamic in our family and my dad never really stood up for us so like my mom was like the sole disciplinarian she was the one that made all the decisions she was the one that was verbally abusive physically abusive and my dad would just kind of sit back on the sidelines and just not say anything he'd be like okay well just trying to keep the peace which never really kept the peace you just like oh well just apologize to your mom oh just you know do this like you're stressing me out do you want to give me a heart attack my dad was very very emotionally manipulative he had such a way of just playing on people's emotions and tugging at their hearts to make them feel bad for him and he always made me feel bad for him i was so close to my dad and I would gravitate towards him because my mom would not only treat us, like the kid, me, my brother, and my sister the same way, she would also treat my dad the same way. And some of the things that she said to him was just like so out of line and out of pocket. Like I genuinely like gravitated towards my dad because I'm like, you understand me, you get me, you know how mom is. And he would always tell me too, he's like, I, you know how your mom is, Shire. Like, I know, I get it, but just apologize because you don't want to like set her off or anything. So it's just like, that kind of taught me to just allow the things that were going on in my household, even if it was towards my other siblings, like the things 
that I had to watch my siblings go through as well as myself, it was just very traumatic because there wasn't essentially anything that I could do about it. There wasn't anybody like, hey, this is wrong. You need to stop doing this. My mom was kind of just like controlling everything. And I think that's what gave her her sense of power and her sense of self was just being able to control every little thing that happened. So yeah, my dad, that was like my whole life. <laughs> the dynamic was really shitty. Like my, my dad didn't stand up for me. Like he never protected me, especially against the abuse that was going on. I would go to him, tell him things and he would just say that. And it just made me feel worthless. And from the eight, like up until actually my whole entire life, <laughs> my whole entire life that I stayed with my parents and my mom, like I can only recall maybe a couple, I can count on my hand the amount of time my mom has said, you're beautiful, you're worthy, I love you, like anything like that. It, that wasn't something that was very common in my household, especially in the crucial ages that I needed it. So like from the time I was born up until age nine, there wasn't really any like love. There wasn't really any, oh my gosh, you're like, you're so beautiful. You're going to do great. There wasn't any encouragement. They was just putting me down. You're stupid. You're fat. You need to be doing this. Like, critical judgment that was really what I grew up with so I started like in elementary school I remember like I always used to go towards books I always loved them because I could just put myself in those fantasies and I would mainly go towards the towards the romance books because I'm just like I want love I love the idea of love just even at a young age I was just like love 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 <laughs> so I would just go towards these books and I would read all these romance novels that were like middle school and high school. I would I was reading at that level and I would just like absorb myself in these stories and just be like, oh my gosh. Like I remember and I had one friend too. Like I was that person that literally just had one friend. I wasn't the popular kid or anything. I was literally an outcast. <laughs> I was an outcast. I had like one friend and I would read these books and I would go tell my friend and I would just be like, oh my gosh, like, he loves her so much, and I'm pretty sure, like, if she listened to this girl, I know you was tired of me hearing those stories, of me telling those stories, because <laughs> I would just, I would be so passionate about it, because that's something that I have always, always wanted, so I started actually pursuing this around the age of nine, like I said, and I was in, like, fourth, fifth grade, and I remember going on Skype, oh gosh, <laughs> I I don't even know how I was able to do this. I just like I remember I had a computer at my house and I had I think I had my own personal computer and I had my own phone so I I think I did. Oh yeah yeah yeah, I did have my own phone because I remember that it was when those little y'all remember those little iPhones that had like the colors on them? I had the pink one. <laughs> and I will always remember that. I had those little pink colored iPhones that came out so I had my own phone and I had my own laptop so of course I went searching around the internet and I just stumbled upon some of these apps I don't even remember what apps they were but I remember talking to guys on Skype and just like you know kind of intriguing in conversations with them and or no sorry engaging in conversations with them and just kind of playing into whatever fantasies that they wanted because I just wanted someone to validate me and I knew this like I knew that the guys that I was talking to were actually, sorry, <laughs> I'm just like, 
I don't think that I knew that they weren't like trying to use me or anything, but I definitely knew that they were like, like trying to play some little fantasy and I was just doing it just to please them. And so I really became like a heavy people pleaser. I became like, like obsessed with guys. I was just like, oh my gosh, I need their validation because when you're not getting that, like from growing up and then automatically you find something or you find someone that's like, you're so beautiful and telling you how worthy you are and telling you like, you can tell me anything and just venting to them about your problems and issues at home. And they seem to listen and care and understand what you're going through. Of course, you're going to gravitate towards that because that's like, automatically, I'm just like, oh, this is love. This is something that I've always wanted. And this is something that's in the books and I need this. So I would go towards that. And yeah, I I remember a couple times like my parents were kind of suspicious about it. They were like, what are you doing on the internet? Like, why are you always, who are you talking to? And, but they never really like found out or they never really like investigated that much. And that's kind of one of the main reasons why I felt like my parents didn't care because I was doing a whole lot of stuff, which you guys will find out. And they just didn't pay attention to me. It was always them, them, them. And so it made it easier for me to get away with the things that I did. And around fifth grade, this is when I had ended up, and we lived, sorry, backtrack a little bit. (laughs) I had lived in like a small town that I don't even think was on the map. It was in Texas and it was called La Mesa, Texas. And I went to like this school that I was pretty much one of the only black people or mixed people that went there. And so like everybody, I was like in that school where everybody was asking me like, oh my gosh, like, uh, how'd you get your hair this curly and trying to touch my hair and all that stuff. Like, I just felt really, I just felt like I didn't fit in at all. And so, and then we had to drive like an hour to Lubbock, Texas. Oh gosh. And that's where they had like a little bit more stuff but where I was at didn't have anything and my mom was always complaining and saying that she was depressed about like depressed about staying there and stuff so we had ended up moving to um, San Antonio Texas which is way bigger and that's when I had started middle school now around middle school this like obsession with boys started getting like insane like it it started growing and developing because you know even while we moved to San Antonio I was just like it was the same way it was the same type of dynamic it wasn't like my parents had changed in in any way we were just in a new environment so obviously I wasn't around that rural area and I wasn't around people that weren't like me now I was surrounded by a whole bunch of people and I was starting a whole new school and I was gonna be with like a bunch of people like I said that were just like of different cultures and different ethnics and so I definitely got out of my comfort zone with that one and I just started you know going out and well not going out but like going to school and this is when I had met my best friend and I'll just call her I don't know what to call her I'll call her E so I'm just gonna do the first letter so I'll call her E and I had met E when we were when I was in sixth grade And I remember we were at the lunch table and we just started talking and then like we liked the same YouTubers because back then, I don't know if you know who Leafy is here. (laughs) 
if um if you know who that is but like that was the OG that's who I was listening to and like we just kind of bonded over the same YouTubers and we just started becoming best of friends and so my best friend had a brother and his brother and sorry and her brother was in high school but it was in the same school so like it was a middle school and a high school so we would be able to see like all the high schoolers going to their classes and we were just like oh my gosh oh wait no guys i'm sorry i completely lied to you the high school was connected to that middle school but it wasn't in the same building sorry we would fawn all over the eighth graders and we thought they were so cute and we'd be like oh my gosh look at him like every time we'd have a crush on somebody i <laughs> girl if you're watching this <laughs> if you're also watching this i know you remember but like um we used to have like this crush on this guy named baby blue eyes we named him baby blue eyes because he had blue like great blue eyes and blonde hair and we were like oh my gosh he's the cutest thing in the world so we kind of both had that like crush on boys but I had like that obsession and I feel like this was when the cycle had started of me liking older men because obviously my mom had went through the same thing so like I said she had a brother that was in high school the schools were connected and so sometimes we would get off on the bus and like they would be getting off on their bus like a couple minutes later and she had ended up introducing me to her brother <sighs> and this was like he was my first ever boyfriend and i was so in love i was like oh my gosh this is my everything this is my forever like i had lost my virginity to this person and yeah i i was just very like i feel like i finally got that chance to you know experience and have that type of love that i wanted that i've always read about and so I was just like, yes. So I, I went all in. It wasn't, there was no boundaries there. There was just like, you know, we're together. So I'm going to do like what we do. <laughs> and um, I remember me and, and, and then her, and then I think one of her brother's friends, she was dating. So their best friend, so her brother and his best friend and we're best friends and they were dating. So it was just like the perfect dynamic. We were like, oh my God, we're dating high schoolers that are best friends and we're best friends. We're so cool. Oh my gosh. And so we were just having the best times. Like I remember in our complex, like our little complex that we all lived in, we would all meet up. I would just tell my parents, hey, I'm going outside. And they would be like, okay. And so I would go outside, I'd meet up with everybody. And then we would be sitting on those little green things. Like, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Like those little I don't even know what they're called, but the little green things we all used to hang around in apartment complexes. We used to like just, uh, we just dick around until like 10, 11, 12 at night. And I would be outside all damn day, like with him, with her. We were just chilling, having a good time. We used to hang out in the laundry mat. Like <laughs> those were some of like the best and worst times of my life. And so I just had these group of high schoolers that I would always hang around and we just do stuff. And of course, I was already sexually active around like age. How old was I? Like 10, 11, I think. No, yeah, I was 11. So like I had already lost my virginity at 11. Like I thought I was so up there. I was like so experienced. Oh, my goodness. And um, around this time, like I was also kind of acting up in school. Like I wasn't I wasn't terrible. I wasn't like a bad kid. I hadn't done anything that was like super super bad but I would skip class sometimes I would be put in detention for a little bit um so it wasn't really anything like too serious and 
I was at this time, I was also still doing what I was doing back in um, La Mesa. So I was still on these apps and I was still talking to guys. And it was just something where I felt like I need to have like a lot of people telling me validation, like the validation that I was getting from my current boyfriend wasn't enough. So I was like, okay, I need to go out and I still need to get some more validation from someone else just so I can feel like I'm actually pretty so I can feel like I'm actually worthy. So I would be on I remember and I remember I would tell my best friend this and I would tell her everything. I don't think I told her about I don't know. I don't even like it was so vivid like this was so long ago, but I don't even think I told her about all of the apps that I was on while I was still with her brother because that is her brother first of all, but like yeah, um I still used to be talking to guys and um actually no I did tell her I did tell her I'm sorry guys. <laughs> I'm just sitting here like going through my memories so like I did tell her because I remember that there was this other guy that I was hooked on and his name was C and I was just like I'm so in love with him I can't choose between him or him and I just don't know and I also used to be like really really freaking ballsy so my parents used to leave and go to work and I knew that like when they got back that or when I got back home from school that they wouldn't be there like nobody would be there my siblings weren't there I just had the house to myself so I would just like go out and hang out with the guys until I knew that they were going to come back or actually one day I had snuck my boyfriend L that's that was my best E's brother my best friend's brother so I had snuck him in and my brother had my older brother that lived with us at the time had ended up coming home and I was just like I looked so guilty because that was my first time ever sneaking anyone in and we didn't even get like we weren't even there for like an all of 10 minutes until he had like pulled in the doorway and he's like I saw someone like running or like or he's like I saw something someone running towards the back like do you have anyone like in the house? And I'm like, no. And then I'm standing by the door like, no. <laughs> and obviously like I was guilty as shit, but he like went in my room and I don't even know how he didn't find anyone. I guess he wasn't looking that hard enough or he just didn't care, but he didn't end up finding him. And like L was scared as shit. Like he was like, I'm never coming back here again. We're never doing this again. And yeah. And then I would always go over to my best friend's house and I would meet up with him there. Um, like, we would just have the time of our lives at her house, like, um, my, her aunt, I think, would just let us, I think she would let us drink and stuff, like, it was just, like, a time, I felt like I was so grown, I felt like I was having my own experiences, and so, um, yeah, like I said, I was still on these apps and talking to these guys and just on these apps or whatever, and I was so obsessed with this other guy that was on there, I couldn't choose between them, but yeah, it was a hot mess. And so I remember one day when I had went to school, we, my mom had picked us up, like everything was fine. We went out to go get dinner. Like I remember this day so freaking vividly. And I remember like she went to go get KFC and everything and we got slushies, like and she drove us back home. And I remember like me and my sister had started, or me and my brother I started getting into a fight and then my mom was like yelling at me and then I had an attitude with her because you know while all this was going on I was going out experiencing the world doing what I wanted to do I was also like very very much still in that abusive household but I was to the point where it's just like 
I kind of got sick of it. And I was always vocal about how my mom treated us, about how she was. And so I always had an attitude with her. I was just like giving her the same type of energy that she gave me. And so when she was yelling at me and telling me, you know, like cussing me out, I just was like, I gave her some type of attitude back and it was a little bit too much, poked the bear a little bit too much. <laughs> and she was like, you know what, give me that phone. And I know, I know some of you who have been in the similar situations when your parents say, give me that phone and you know that you got some stuff on there. It's the worst feeling ever. My stomach dropped to my asshole because I knew I was just like, oh my gosh, I have all of like five seconds to go upstairs and delete every single app that I have, every single text message, every single picture. And I knew that there was a, a really good chance that I was not going to be able to do that. So I'm like running upstairs and the whole entire time I had my phone on me. Like my phone was like in my, I think it was in my pants or something. Like I remember I used to, <laughs> I remember I used to put my phone there so like no one could see it or anything. So I was just very paranoid. So like I remember running upstairs pretending to go get my phone whole time I'm in my room like my hands are like shaking so much that I couldn't even type anything I couldn't even do anything on my phone because my hands were just like shaking and I felt like I was about to drop the phone and like my mom started counting down she's like five four and I'm just like oh my fucking god like I'm literally about to get in so much trouble my hands were trembling my breath was like slow and I was just like having a full-blown panic attack because I knew how my mom was and I knew her reactions were not just little reactions like I wasn't just gonna get in a little bit of trouble maybe grounded like no I was gonna get my ass whooped and so like I end up coming out like when she's counting down I end up going from my room into the bathroom and so I shut off all the lights and I lock the door and I'm still sitting there trying to delete everything and I'm trying to like breathe because my hands are still shaking and I can barely touch anything but you know she ends up getting to one and she's like coming up the stairs and she like I remember she kicked the fuck out of my bedroom door and so that's what scared me even more because she was like coming like fully equipped and ready she's like she came with all the smoke and I'm just like oh my like I was just <sighs> like I already knew what type of time she was on I already knew what she was on so I was just like oh my god like I'm, I'm preparing myself and so I had thought I deleted everything so I go and I open the door and She's like, she's there. She's like, what the fuck were you deleting? What were you deleting? I'm just like, nothing. I'm just like, nothing, no. And so she's like getting the belt. She's beating the shit out of me. And then like she goes downstairs and she's like looking through my phone. And apparently I had not deleted everything because a few minutes later she came back up and she's like, what the fuck is this? And so she turns the phone to me and it's one of the guys that I was talk talking to with his shirt off. And you could tell he was obviously older because he had a beard and a tattoo. So she's like, who the fuck is this? And I'm like, oh no, I'm literally like, and I'm laughing about it now, but like back then I was 12 at the time too. So like back then I was like so petrified. I was scared because this was my whole entire life. Like I needed that validation from those guys. I needed to be talking to them or else I could not feel okay. Like it was something to where like, I couldn't feel safe within myself unless I was getting that validation from them. And now my mom had my phone. My mom, you know, like I like she easily like took all my electronics from me. So it's like I could not have that outlet anymore. And it was terrifying. I was just like, holy shit, I don't have anything anymore. And so she ended up like like trigger warning, by the way. I should I should have said like I should have said this from the get the get go, but Trigger warning, I'm going to be talking about very sensitive topic, abuse, like violence. So if you have any sensitivity to that, please like 
don't listen to this. <laughs> um, so yeah, she had ended up like grabbing me by my neck. And I just remember her like choking me so much that like, like she choked me and like put me on the wall to where I was literally like dangling from the wall and she had her hand on my neck and I was just like sitting there and then like she took me from my neck and like put me down on the bed and she's like she has my neck down on the bed and I'm like stop I can't breathe stop I can't breathe and then she's like she gets up and then she's like ripping all of my posters off the wall and she's calling me any other name like any name that you can think of she's calling me that she's like you bitch you nasty ass like just anything that she can think of and I'm sitting there crying like I don't know what to do like and I'm just like I have no choice but to endure this like I can't fight back I'm only 12 years old there's not anything that I can really do and so like she ends up pushing me and pushing me and then like she shoves me down the stairs so I go tumbling down and then she's like you want to be a nasty little hoe then get out and then she like pushes me she pushes me out the door and then she slams the door and locks it behind me and I'm just like I, like I literally I had no words I was just like I, I'm 12 I don't know what to do I just got kicked out and I start walking but as soon as I start walking she opens the door and I'm just like what the hell so she like brings me back in the house and she has the belt and she's like beating the shit out of me for like at least 30 minutes straight and I'm just crying and like begging her to stop and everything and um so she's like I'm gonna fucking tell your dad and whatever and then like my dad comes home and he beats the shit out of me too and then like they made me sleep downstairs I had to shower with the door cracked open because they thought that I was gonna be like doing something or whatever I don't know what their thought process was but I had to sleep on a mattress downstairs I couldn't go back up to my room and I remember like I still had managed to like get I don't know how but I managed to get like a phone and I still managed to like go and text like these guys or like the main guys that I was talking to and my best friend like I was telling them what happened and I was just like I'm probably not going to be at school and um like my friend was really worried about me and um the next it wasn't even yeah it was like the next day around like three in the morning my mom had ended up like she's like get up let's go and I'm just like oh no and so like she we're driving she she doesn't say a word to me whole time I'm thinking like I'm about to go to a shelter they're about to give me away like I'm just like I was thinking that like I wasn't gonna have my parents anymore so she actually ended up driving me to the um hospital because she had found out that I was sexually active and she had went there to go get me tested or whatever and while I was there she was sitting in, like, you would have thought, like, somebody killed her damn dog or something. Like, you, like, the look that she had on her face, and obviously, obviously, rightfully so. Like, of course, what I was doing wasn't right, but her reaction wasn't right either. And, and you would also think that, like, if your child is going through the same situation that you are going through, you would not have that type of reaction. Like, you would be like, okay, how can we change this? Like, how... Like, I'm just thinking from, like, a healthy point of perspective. But obviously, nothing about my family was healthy. So she was sitting there with, the, like, a, a terrible look on her face. And, like, she was, like, with her arms crossed. And she was, like, shaking her leg. Like, I still remember her, her face, like, so vividly. And I remember the doctors had asked her to leave the room. And so she's, like, huffing and puffing. And she's, like, oh, whatever. And so she, like, leaves the room. And then they're asking me. They're, like, are you okay? Because her demeanor was so fucking hostile, you guys, like, it, it was not even funny, and so she was just, like, and I was just, like, no, I'm not okay, and 
they had at like and I just started crying because I just didn't know what to do and they were like can you take off your jacket for us and I'm just like oh lord because when I took off my jacket I had like bruises all up my arm and I I did not see my parents again after that day like I was in the hospital for hours and I had to talk to so many detectives and people were asking what happened. I had to repeat the story over and over and over again. And um, so, yeah, I had ended up staying at that hospital until my aunt had came and picked me up. And I remember like when my aunt picked me up, she had my dad on the phone. And she was just like, they're both asking me, like, why would you do this to us? Like, you know, what's wrong with you? Like, and, like my dad was crying on the phone and he made me feel so bad he made me feel like you know what I did wasn't okay and like of course it wasn't but like I felt like all of the blame was put on me and no one ever was just like no one ever came up to me was just like I'm sorry for what I did or like anything like that or even tried to ask me why I was doing what I was doing it was just like you did this to us it's your fault now our family's broken apart and yada 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 and so that was the first time that CPS ever came into my life. And they had taken me and my siblings out of the house that we were in. And so we we had to go from San Antonio, Texas, all the way to Austin, Texas. And we didn't know anybody. It was really scary. And I just remember all I could think about was just going and texting these guys like I needed someone to validate me I needed someone to just like tell me that everything was gonna be okay because I didn't have that like it was just me myself and I and I wasn't able to properly be there for my siblings because I was just in my own headspace like I needed like I couldn't comfort my siblings because I needed comforting myself like I had just went through a traumatic ass experience and I felt like everything was my fault and I just didn't even want to like you know, I, I wasn't even that headspace to like comfort them and be like, hey, it's going to be okay because I wasn't okay. And so, um, yeah, we had a worker and everything and like we ended up staying at the shelter and it was like a group of like me, me and my siblings were in the same placement, we but we were separated in different rooms. And so like we had, I had to stay in a room with like maybe six, seven other people and like the whole, like it was so many people in that shelter, like it was so crowded and I just remember feeling, like, so claustrophobic, and after a while, like, I had started self-harming because I was just, like, really depressed, and I, I think I had managed to, like, I don't know how I always managed to get a phone, but, like, I had a phone, and, like, I used to, like, you know, sneak and text my parents sometimes, and I would just be, like, you know, I miss you guys or whatever, and because I felt really bad, like, I genuinely felt like it was my fault, and I was, like, I, I did something so terrible and I carried that guilt with me for years. And so like I had self I had started self-harming and I don't know how I don't know how one of the staff members found out, but they did. Or I think it was because I was in the bathroom for too long. And then um I ended up being taken to a mental hospital and so I kinda had left my siblings there and that's something that I also regret is just leaving them there without like any help or guidance. Um, so yeah, I was in there for like a while. And then when I had, when my worker had came and got me out of CPS, or not out of CPS, sorry, out of the mental hospital, that's when she took me and my siblings down back to San Antonio because my aunt had offered to take us in. And 
now that I'm looking at the time, this might be, okay, this might have to be a part two, because, like, I just, there's so much, there's literally so much, but, um, yeah, so, like, she had ended up taking us back to San Antonio, and my aunt had offered to take care of us, and so we had to have, like, visitations with my parents, and, um, they had to do classes and everything and we had to do family therapy which didn't work at all because like the whole entire time that I was in there it was just like this is your fault you did this to us like it was just all like you 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 there was never no like me I'm sorry like this is my like and it wasn't even like I was expecting them to just be like oh my gosh I'm so sorry this is my fault but it was more of just like there was no accountability on their end and I was just again carrying all those burdens from what happened to me because no matter what a child does I feel like it's always they're never not worthy of unconditional love and I feel like that's what I didn't get and so even in these visitations like sometimes I didn't even want to go because I was just like I they're gonna like they're gonna be crying and then I'm gonna feel bad for them again like I'm gonna feel bad again and I'm gonna feel like this is all my fault and my siblings were crying and I just I felt so isolated from my family like I never felt more alone in that moment and so when we had, like, went to go stay with my aunt, I had ended up going to a different middle school, and around this time, I was in, like, seventh grade, and so this time, I was really actually, like, rebellious. I would be doing anything and everything. I Like, some of the stories, you guys, like, I, <laughs> some of the stories. I had this whole entire friend group that I would hang out with. It was, like, me and five other girls, and we were known as, like, the bad kids, we would always skip class, get in fights, and say horrible things to the teachers, like, I remember in my gym class, we called me and this group of friends, like, we, they made such a huge mistake by putting all of us in the same class together, because me and, like, the four other girls that I was talking to all had the same gym class at the same period, and we were just, like, acting a damn fool in there until they separated us, so, like, I remember one day, me and my friends were just, like, getting on this uh, PE teacher's head and, like, calling her a ball-headed asshole and, like, y'all. Oh, I was, like, I was so bad. And then, um, what was it? And then, like, but the thing was, like, I wasn't, like, I knew that that wasn't me because I had, there was, like, this one teacher and we called him Mr. G and I will always remember, like, even just going through that, and, like, I was still in this system, I was still in CPS, like, I was still dealing with all of this shit, so obviously, like, I was just, like, lashing out and rebelling, but, like, he was always there, and he was, like, Shira, you're better than this, like, don't stop hanging around with those losers, they're not gonna do anything for you, he hated my friends, like, anytime I would be hanging out with him, he would just give me this look, and I knew, and I, I also had this other teacher who would always get on to me about, like, my dress code, so, like, there was always those, like, people in my life that were like hey get back on track like hey do this hey do this and I just never really noticed it and I never really picked up on it until later where I can like where I finally had the chance to be like holy shit like all of this just happened to me what like what the hell so yeah he was always there and he always just kind of like tried to put me on the track like back on the right track and you know I just wasn't in the open mindset to receive it but now that I look back like I definitely did have I feel like those were kind of like my spirit guides saying like, hey, come on now, you know, you're not, you know, you're not supposed to be like this or just kind of like that 
like presence you know and so um what were some of the other things like I remember I used to get in like these relationships too and like my aunt wasn't really like that type of like my aunt was nothing like my parents she was more of just like that she was kind of emotionally manipulative like my dad and she said a little things here and there that were triggering but she wasn't abusive or anything like she kind of just you know uh didn't really like it wasn't bad as like it wasn't nearly as bad as my parents so I got away with a lot of stuff because my parents weren't in my life and um I remember I got into this one relationship and I it was this is like so middle school like he had ended up like breaking up with me and cheating on me with a sixth grader and my friend had like me and my friend had skipped class and we were waiting outside this girl's door because we were finna we were finna fight her and then um I don't know why, but, like, we ended up leaving before she got out because, like, oh, yeah, because she wouldn't come out the classroom because she saw us, like, standing there waiting for her. So she wouldn't come out the classroom, so we left. And so me and my two other friends were just walking down the hallway, and we were, and keep in mind, we were in seventh grade, so we were walking down the eighth grade hallway, and we, my friend had, like, saw my ex, like, just walking. <laughs> my friend had saw my ex, like, walking out, and she just like pounced on him like she started like fist fighting this motherfucker like in the in the classroom like she like knocked his ass back into the classroom and like was like fighting him and I was just like at the time I was just like you are a real one (laughs) like if you were just fighting like if you were just fighting for me and because of what my ex did like you're a real one so she literally beat the shit out of him and we all got a restraining order like he went to the office and we all got a restraining order and we were the type of people that would like sit in detention like we would be laughing the tension was our favorite spot like we was cracking up i had some of the best and i'm not condoning this at all i'm not saying i'm just like kind of trying to get back into like that middle school so you can guys get the full on picture but like i had the most laughs in that office than i ever had <laughs> in my entire life like it was just constant laughter like just I, and I felt like I needed that. Like, that's something that, like, I genuinely, like, I needed that lightheartedness. I needed that laughter. I needed that group of friends because it made me feel like I belonged somewhere. And, you know, I remember, I remember even when, like, me and my friends had got pulled into the office and the principal, like, and I will never, ever forget this day because this day was so, oh my gosh. Like, my, my, the principal had pulled us into the office and, he was sitting there asking us about the situation and I just remember like I could not stop laughing bro like me and my friend were just like cracking up and he was just like guys I'm being serious (laughs) like even because I remember it so vividly like he was like guys I'm being serious and we were just like we were laughing for like 10 minutes straight like I couldn't even get a word out I was crying my stomach hurt like it was one of those laughs and like it was (laughs) it was just little stuff like that, and so, you know, and obviously, like, I, I had, like, I think I had, like, lied so much, too, because I was just, like, I was lying about who my parents were, and, like, what they did, because, you know, nobody knew me, I was in CPS, so, like, I could obviously, like, make up whatever I wanted to, so I just felt like I wanted that attention, so I made up, like, a huge lie, like, saying that my mom, like, prostituted me out and stuff, and, like, she did this and that, and then, like, Uh, again not okay to lie you should never lie about your situation but like I just remember saying like 
like out of pocket stuff like that and just like over exaggerating that because I was just like you know all of the teachers were around me they're like oh my gosh like are like they kind of like you know gave me that attention and that validation that I needed so I was just like okay yeah like this is cool until they brought my aunt in and they were just like hey she's saying this like is she okay and then my aunt's like why would you say that and I'm just like I didn't say that and so like it was just it was just a lot like I was going through a lot of stuff and like I was just saying any I was just saying and doing anything and everything so at the end of my seventh grade year I had ended up going back to my parents house and obviously the days of like my my rebellious days were over like I couldn't be acting like that with my parents because I knew how my parents were so it was kind of just like I more I was still doing the same things but I kind of did them like behind their back and I had ended up still talking to guys I don't remember how I got my phone back but I remember when I did I started doing I was still doing the same things and uh, I don't even want to get into this next part because it's going to be so long um it's going to be terribly long but I, I'll kind of just like sum it up until it got to that point where I'm going to talk about like my toxic relationship. So and then I'll wrap it up. And then this is going to be a part two. So sorry, you guys, but like, this is going to be a part two. So like, I had ended up going back to my parents house after that middle school it was my eighth grade year of starting eighth grade. And um, I had went to like this. What did I go to? Did I go to? I don't remember what I think it was like, I either went to I moved so many schools like I either went to like a private school or I in, I went back to a public school for a little bit and then went to the private school but anyways I was still really close with my best friend E if you guys remember her when I was talking about earlier I was still close with her from sixth grade because you know I had went back to the same area so now we could like kind of reconnect again and um like I said, I was still doing the same things that I was doing, and, like, flash forward, maybe, like, months, months later, I, like I said, I was on my phone, but I had, like, a different phone, so I had, like, two phones, I think, or either I had two phones, or I wasn't supposed to be having a phone, and I did, like I said, I don't know how I always managed to get a phone, but I did, <laughs> and one night, I remember that I was up talking to some little boy, and it was, like, well into two in the morning and at the time my mom would come home around that time and because she was like working night so she would come home really really late and actually no I lied it was well into like six in the morning and like my mom was coming home at that time and usually she'll just like come home and go back to sleep but I guess I was being like really really loud so while I'm on this phone talking super loud she just like opens the door like randomly I did not expect that at all and I'm just like oh oh shit and so like I take the phone while the guy is still on the phone and I slide it under my mattress and she's like what were you doing who are you talking to and I'm like nothing no one and then the guy is under the bed like hello hello and I'm just like oh my god I was like no please I was like oh my I was like here we go and so like she me and her like both look at each other and then we look at the mattress and then like I go for the phone and I'm just like no no like she's like she's literally on top of me like trying to get the phone out of my hand and like um I remember like after she got the phone I took off running like I just ran because I was just like I don't want another situation like this I already know where this is going I I don't want it to end like this again so like I I just took off running and I and I had 
literally I had no shoes on I had a bra on and some sweats and I just like I was running down my complex and she was chasing me and then after a while she was just like you know what she was like you know what like go I don't even care and so she like goes back and I'm just like now I'm just like I can't go back to my house you know oh sorry I was just like, I can't go back to my house. I'm a runaway now. I'm homeless. I don't even know what to do. And so, like, I'm just wandering around. And, like, I I think I had walked all the way to the gas station. And before I even, like, got to the gas station, there was this guy. And he, like, offered to give me a ride. And I'm just like, I don't even know where to go. And he, I, I'm so glad, like, I'm so glad I didn't get kidnapped or anything. And he was just like, I would offer you some socks I, I but if I could, but like I, I have to go to work so I, I can just give you a ride. And I was like, okay, whatever. So he drops me off at the gas station and then I'm like asking the lady at the counter, I'm like, can you please, please, please um, give me your phone? Like I, I need to log into your Snapchat so I can text my friend. Like I, I don't know where to go. Like I don't have anywhere. And she was, she, she was the GOAT because she gave me her phone. She let me log out of her Snapchat and log into my Snapchat so I can text my best friend E and I was like blowing up this girl's phone but before I even went to her I was calling all these guys and I was just like please come pick me up like I don't have anyone like I just ran away like I, I need you right now and of course obviously none of them were just like yeah I'm gonna go pick you up but my best friend E had ended up answering and she was like okay fine I'm gonna go convince my mom to come pick you up and so her mom had literally like they were so freaking goaded for this they had literally got up at like three in the morning no like six no I don't even remember what time it was like somewhere in the morning it was still dark so like they had got up and came and picked me up and you know I was staying at their house and I was using my best friend's phone I was talking to all these guys and I was just like girl like I don't even know what I'm gonna do like at least we're together and we were just laughing having a good old time and I remember like I went to sleep and then she's like she wakes me up and she's like dude your dad's calling me and I'm like what I'm like, how did he even get your number? And so, like, he obviously, like, he had texted my friend, and he was like, if you don't have her call me, I'm calling the police. And so, like, I had to call them, and he and he's like, where are you at? And I had to, like, tell them where I was, and the police came and got me, and I got arrested. That was the first time I ever got arrested, too. Like, they put me in handcuffs, like, oh, my goodness. Like, they put me in handcuffs and took me out to the car to put me in the back of the seat, and they were being so rough. Like, when I got out when they took me back to my parents' house and I got out the car, like, I was trying to get out of the handcuffs and I was like, can you let me out now? And, like, he literally slammed me against the car and, and um, my mom's like, yeah, take her to jail, take her to jail or whatever. And I'm just like, y'all are really not trying to pull a Beyond Scare straight on me right now. Just take me out of the handcuffs, please. <laughs> but, like, that was so traumatic. Like, I'm laughing about this now, but, like, it was so traumatic for me back then. And, um, yeah, so, like, I had got out of the handcuffs and they were trying to, like, my parents were trying to get in my phone. And I'm just like, no, I'm not giving you my phone because or I'm not giving you the password to my phone because I already knew the stuff that was on there. I was still talking to all these guys and I just didn't want, like, I was embarrassed for them to even, like, go on my phone and see what I was doing. So um, I ended up getting in, like, so much trouble. And I, CPS wasn't called that time, but, like, um, I had got grounded. And then, like, they were kind of, like, making fun of me. And they were like, okay, well, we can't do anything to you because... Um, you're gonna call CPS or something and my mom didn't like hit me as bad this time like it wasn't like it wasn't as bad as it was the first time because like obviously oh yeah and sorry I forgot to mention like whenever we got put in CPS and like whenever that first time like they went to jail like it was that bad like it, they were the dudes was there like they went to jail 
for a couple days and like uh, my uncle had to bail them out and stuff like it was really bad so like they went to jail and then so like the second time that happened like my mom didn't like hit me as bad because she had already went to jail and stuff like that and so um yeah that happened and then so I ended up getting like grounded for a really long time and then that leads me to the second part of my story which will be in part two of the second um second episode I'm so sorry this is this long I hope you guys were at least entertained to some extent to make you want to go check out part two but uh, that's where I'm going to be getting into the other stuff so please go check that out I love you guys I'll see you in the next episode Okay, this is part two of my story. If you didn't watch part one, go watch that because you're not going to understand anything that I'm saying in this part. So getting right into it. Yeah, I was arrested. All of that stuff happened and I was grounded for a really, really long time, but I still was doing exactly what I was doing. I, I don't know how, like I said, I always managed to get a trap phone. I always had a phone some way, somehow. I think actually one of my friends that I was um, really close with and this is my eighth grade year too I don't know if I said that but I think one of my friends had actually ended up giving me a phone that she had that was just like laying around that still worked and I was like girl you are a savior you are the goat because I needed it like there was no resolution to like anything that I was doing so like my parents weren't like, let's go put her in therapy. She has some issues that she needs to work on or maybe let's like I said my um like I said in the first episode, like we all had family therapy, but as soon as CPS reunified us, like they were like, we're not doing this shit anymore. Like, this is dumb. You don't need this. And that's how my parents were. They weren't the type of people to talk about their emotions. They were just like, if you're doing something bad, we're going to whoop your ass and you're going to learn that way. But obviously I never did. And that's why I will always say hitting your kids, being verbally, physically abusive is not going to work. It just didn't it never worked for me because I was just like that actually drew me towards the behavior that's what made me keep doing it because my parents didn't show me that love that I so desperately needed that's why I did it in the first place even from when I was younger like just being put in all of those adult situations and never really having that encouragement and that love and that support that I needed obviously I went out and sought it somewhere else so I was still doing the same stuff I was doing each and every single time. I just got more sneakier about it because this was something that was my escape, like having those men and talking to boys and having them giving me val giving me validation. That was my escape from everything that I was going through. I was just like, okay, I'm going through abuse right now. Or, you know, even at the time, like I didn't even feel like, I felt like I was being abused, but I was gaslit so much into thinking that it was normal. So I was just like, this is just my life. You know, this is just, I, it's normal to be depressed. I remember in my room, I, I think I mentioned this. I don't know if I mentioned this in the previous episode, but like in my room, I used to have like all the windows blacked out and like it, I, I just had really deep self-worth issues. I couldn't say one nice thing about myself. Like it was just very you know, it was a very dark time for me. And so, <clears throat> you know, I, I just thought that type of behavior was normal. And I thought this was going to be my life. So I need something that at least will give me that happiness. And for me, that was guys. And obviously, that was, you know, continuing out a generational curse of going towards older men. You know, my mom did the same thing. 
And so I was kind of gravitating towards that. I didn't like people my age. I was just like, I need to go out and and find an, an older person so that way they can give me the love and the, the validation that I needed, you know, kind of like a like parental figure. I'm going to get into that. So basically, I think I had started coming off of punishment when I was like about to turn 14. And like I said, I was in eighth grade. So <clears throat> and I was also uh, I was also always the youngest person. Like my, I was born in 05 and it just seemed like everybody was older than me and I was always like like everybody was 14 and I was always like an age behind about to turn that age so random fact anyways <laughs> um I think I had started like coming off punishment and they kind of just like let up on the abuse for a while and so um I think it was maybe a week before my 14th birthday my dad had taken me, my siblings, and my friend to Six Flags. And, you know, while I was there, I had my trap phone and my dad kind of just took my siblings, went off and like, I was with them for a little while. And then we kind of just like went our separate ways. And so me and my friend went off and did our own thing. And my friend was kind of on the same tip. Like she, she went off and found her little boyfriend and I was on my apps texting guys like hey who wants to meet up with me I'm bored or at six flags come see me and one person actually did end up responding and we're gonna call him B so B had responded and was like I'm at my sister's soccer game but we've been talking for a while and I really want to see you so he left there and actually ended up coming to six flags to see me and on these apps I always lied about my age disclaimer you should never do this this is wrong like people can get in trouble for this like don't do it I would I know my mistakes I know what I did was not cool so please don't do this but I was 14 or I was about to be 14 and I had said that I was 16 and the guy B that I met up with he was 19 so hypothetically that would have been like a three-year difference but in actuality it was more of like a six-year difference but I also feel like when we met up you could obviously tell and I'm gonna get into like some of the red flags later on but like you could obviously tell that I was a little kid even now some people still mistake me for being in high school and I'm in college so <laughs> It's I, I had that baby face. And if you go on my TikTok or my social media platforms, I know that there is a couple of pictures of me when I was like 12 on there. And so, you know, like and I also actually if you want like a little bit more in depth of what I'm about to get into, there's a whole entire like six videos on uh, the story time between me and B. So if you want a more in-depth like explanation of that, go on my TikTok. It's on there. I have a whole entire story. <laughs> so yeah, I looked like a kid. And so he met up with me and we skipped like all the relationships that I got in. We basically like skipped the talking stage. There was no talking stage. When we met, we were automatically like, we, I like, when we met up in my head, we're like, okay, I I, I want to pursue you like we're dating. And so, you know, it was all touchy feely and making out and stuff. Like there was no boundaries whatsoever. So that's what it was like when, you know, we met up. That was our, that was the basis of our relationship. 
and or if you want to even call it that and then um yeah so like I said my friend had already had her little boo thing and so she went off with him and I went off with B and we were just kind of walking around the park hoping that like I didn't run into my dad and so we actually we ended up staying there for quite a bit and um after that my dad had ended up taking us back to his house or back to our house my house (laughs) and then you know my friend was staying the night and I think after a little while my dad was like hey we're going to I'm going to the grocery store does anyone want to come with me and my siblings were like yeah and obviously I was like no I'm gonna stay back and I had actually ended up texting B because he was like I had such a good time and he was like um I, when can I see you again and I was just like you can see me right now like my parents are gone and I actually I was like actually if you want to sneak in like you can help me open my window because backstory my dad had glued my window shut because <laughs> like I said I was still doing the same things that I was doing I was just being more sneakier about it and I think the whole entire time I was grounded I still had a trap phone so I was still texting guys still on these apps still meeting up with them and so you know obviously I couldn't go anywhere so I brought the guys in and they would like sneak on the roof I don't know how they did it because it was a long like they was dedicated (laughs) they was dedicated and I would like sneak these guys in and I one day whenever my dad had picked us up, up from school and we lived in like a little town like house apartment complex so like when he pulled into the parking spot you could see my window like from where you pulled in and my screen protector was out and he was like how did your screen protector get out and I'm like I don't know and I just made up some like weird random excuse and he actually had ended up going on the roof and he was like why is there rocks on the on the roof from the ground and I was like I don't know like this man was investigating I was like I don't know or even if he was doing that or trying to scare me into like telling him but I was just like I don't know and when I went because we were still close with the aunt that I had stayed with when we were in CPS and so I think I'd went with her for like a weekend and during that weekend he literally like shut glued my window shut and I was like oh nice I came back and I was like okay (laughs) and so um I kind of had like stopped for a while and you know so when I had texted him I was like can you open up my window and we can like sneak you in and you can come hang out with us and type of deal obviously that was very dangerous I didn't like I wasn't thinking about any of the dangers of sneaking someone in my house um I just didn't care at the time I just I just cared about myself I was mainly focused on getting like the love quote-unquote the love that I craved And so he had ended up like pulling up and bringing his tools to try to open the window. He could not open the window. That whole entire time I lived in that townhouse, I tried to open that window and I never could. Like it was just, I don't know what my dad did, but like that window was just shut. You, there was no getting that window open. And then, um, I think he actually had ended up like parking somewhere else and then like staying in that, like in my house until like my dad got back and we just kind of like pretended that he wasn't there and my dad wasn't the type of person to like come up and like check on us and knock on my door and be like hey what are you guys doing like he just did his own thing like he really didn't care 
And so, you know, it was really easy for me to sneak guys in. It was really easy for me to just like get away with things because like I said, my parents only cared about each other. That was like, even despite me doing all of this stuff, I was still able to get away with so much. You would be like so surprised of the stuff that I got away with because like I just, they weren't checking up on me. They weren't like concerned about what I was doing. Like they would be a little bit like, like I said, my dad literally glued my window shut, but like at the same time, it wasn't like they were, you know, on my throat about anything. Cause you know, sometimes parents get like really like down their kids' throats about stuff and they're so strict and Da, da, da. like no I I was on punishment for maybe like a while still had a trap phone hit it for a while didn't get caught with that was able to sneak people in was able to go out I just I basically like I could tell them something and they would be like all right and then just they wouldn't question it or anything so I was able to get away with a lot of stuff so he had ended up like actually staying and or actually no I think he left for a little bit because we wanted him to like bring us beer and McDonald's we wanted him to bring us beer at mcdonald's (laughs) and so he had actually ended up bringing us that and so like when he stayed in my room and everything it was just and i had a lock on my door too so i wasn't really paranoid about them like coming in my room and like while we were there i felt so bad for this friend like girl if you ever watch this i'm so sorry like to all of my friends that i was with like, that I was friends with through, like, sixth grade through middle school. I'm so sorry, y'all. Like, I was just terrible. I was a terrible friend. That's all I cared about was men. And, like, if I had to use my friends to get to the men that I was talking to, I would. And I just feel so, like, y'all, I'm so sorry. But um, the girl that I was staying with at my house, we were sitting, like, we were full-blown, like, like, I would have felt uncomfortable. Like, I don't even know how she didn't feel uncomfortable. Like, she genuinely was just like, I don't even care. She was drinking that beer. I think she was on Instagram live. She was doing her own thing. And me and him were just like two seconds away from having sex. Like, we were, that's so nasty. But like, we were just all touchy feely and whatever. Like, we were just doing our own thing. We acted like she wasn't even in the room. And so I felt so bad. But, like, she didn't give a shit. Like, she was in the, like, she actually had, we all had, like, were in the bed with each other. We didn't do anything. We were not like that. But, like, we were kind of, like, all in the bed with each other. And we were just, like, laying down. Because, like, there was, I wasn't going to make her sleep on the floor. And, yeah, that was, like, that kind of weirded me out. But I was just, <laughs> this is not funny either. But it's, like, I, yeah. So, like, we were all in the bed, yada, yada, yada. Didn't do anything. It was just. Did I say yada? How many times have I said yada yada? I hope it was one time. But (laughs) yeah, so he ended up leaving like at the ass crack of dawn and he actually like left out of my sister's window or he either left out of my sister's window or it was like clear for him to just like leave out the door. And that's when we had like after that moment, there wasn't a single day where we like didn't see each other. We were just like at the hip, just I would go and see him every day. He was my main priority. Like, and the way that I would see him, because obviously, like, I still had school and stuff, and like I couldn't just go out and be like, okay, bye. Like, sometimes I would, we had a Walgreens literally 
like walking distance away from it was literally right behind our townhouses so like I would I would tell my parents like hey I'm going to Walgreens I would, I would just be like I'm walking there and they'd be like all right and so I would take a while because you know I like shopping so um, they didn't really question it and when I would like go on these walks he would be there like he would meet up with me like we would usually it was just have sex and then like I would just go back to my house or you know or he would like buy me some things because like during that time like I said my parents were still the same way so there would be like I think there was a certain time where my mom had got mad at me and like she wasn't talking to me at all and then I was just like hey I need some pads like I'm on my period and she was just playing out flat out ignoring me and I'm like okay, whatever, and so I had actually ended up calling him, and I was like, hey, can you give me, you know, some of the stuff that I needed, and I feel like part of that, like, that just, everything that they did just made me go towards him even more, like, it just, it just made me feel safe with him, and everything that, everything that I went through with my parents, I told him, and he always seemed to like listen and you know understand he was just like I'm so sorry like if I could do anything if I could bring you with me I would and you know just kind of offering that like comforting presence with stuff that I was going through like I can't even count how many times like I went to him crying about stuff and he was just like I'm sorry like you know that so that was kind of like my my go-to person and this was the freedom this was the freedom that I wanted and this was something that, like, I was just, like, I got it. I can't, like, I can't lose you because you're, he had a car. He had a job. Like, he was able to, like, provide me with all of the things that I ever wanted. And that's where I feel like the dynamic of the relationship really changed from, like, boyfriend-girlfriend to, like, parent-child. And this is where it gets gross. So, basically, you know, after a while of us being together we went through so many crazy things like it's not even funny like I would sometimes in order to see him like because the walks weren't enough and you know obviously I had to like you know see him more and just got our relationship progressed more so he had actually ended up convincing me to sneak out of my house and this was something I was just like um absolutely not like I was super scared because I was just like you know I'm cool with sneaking you in but like sneaking sneaking out is a whole different like ball game because if my parents went upstairs and found that I wasn't there like I was getting my ass beat and I was just really scared but at the same time I was ballsy enough to do it because I knew that my parents didn't like come upstairs and check on me that much and they would like once they were asleep they were asleep there wasn't them coming up checking on me or you know anything like that so all I had to do was wait till they went to sleep and obviously my window was glued shut, so I waited until my sister went to sleep and went out her window, which is also, again, not cool, but I was determined to do what I wanted to do, and I didn't care who I did, who I had to go through to get to to it. So um, he had basically convinced me to sneak out my window, and that's when I, like, really, like, I lived at this man's house. I'm not even going to lie, because I'm going to run you through my whole routine. <laughs> basically I still had school and stuff so I had to get up for school at seven in the morning and this time I in my eighth grade year I went to a private school so I and it wasn't even like a private private school it was just more of like a, a formal school and so 
we had to get up at like seven in the morning and my, my parents would drive us there. So what I would do is I would wait until like nine, 10 o'clock. My parents would go to sleep around that time. My sister was in bed or I would wait till like 12 or something. till my sister went or till um, my sister actually like fell asleep and I was confident enough that she wasn't going to wake up. And I put on all my clothes, got all my stuff and snuck out the window in the way that my window or stuck on my sister's window. And the way that the window was kind of set up was like, it was, I, as soon as I got out the window, like she had a really nice like rooftop versus like my window was more of like a, a, a steep incline. So she had like a rooftop. So once you step foot on her window, like you could sit on the roof and stuff. Like it was, it was like flat enough for you to do that. So all I had to do was just like step down onto somebody else's like, um, little rooftop thing. And then there was like a little corner that you could like slide into and somebody could literally just pick me up, put me on the ground and I would be out. And so that's what we did. So he would literally just like pick me up um, from the window or from that little spot. And then we would go off and I would stay at his house until like five in the morning. Like we would sleep and everything like we had, like we would go to Walmart, get pizza, have like, we would make all this stuff and we would stay up talking or we you know obviously our relationship was based off of sex so we would do like do all of that I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on here but whatever you know like we're old enough so yeah and then um he would wake me up around like five in the morning and then he would drop me back off he would go to work around the same time so once I was like sneaking back in the window um what's it called like once I was sneaking back in the window it was I only had like maybe an hour and a half of sleep until I had to go to school and I was exhausted so like I would go to school tired as hell and then I would come home take a long like I would sleep the entire day and then I would do the same thing like over and over like each and every single night and my parents were a little bit suspicious I got caught at least like I think I got caught one time actually (laughs) one time I I think my parents were leaving I don't know what Oh, no, no, no. Okay, so I, I thought they were, like, sleeping or whatever. I got re- – I was – at this point, I was really confident about me sneaking out. And so I ended up, like, sneaking out and leaving out the window um, once – hold on. Let me try to think. Oh, yeah, so I ended up, like – I thought they were asleep, so I had ended up sneaking out of my sister's window. And then I – um like, he had – like went past because in order for like us to get to my truck like you had to like go past a couple of houses and then like you would be able to like I'm trying to think of how I could describe it like you go past the like it was the backyard technically and so you had to go past like all of the houses and then once you get out like once you get past there like you could see like my front front door and everything and so like he had already like went past the back and like went into his truck and then Literally, as my parents were coming out of the house to get ready to go to Target, I didn't even know that they were leaving. Like, everybody was, like, getting in the car and stuff. And so, like, I had, like, ran. Like, all you could see was, I'm I'm sure, like, oh, my goodness. They were, like, what the fuck? Because all you could see was me just, like, running out of the the back of the house. (laughs) Like, out of the back alley, like, of the apartment complex. So, like, um... And so we didn't even get far. Like, we got past the Walgreens, which is literally behind the apartment complex, before my mom, like, started calling me. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, oh, shit. Like, they saw me or something. Like, and I and I felt it, too. Like, I knew it. I was just like, mm, something doesn't seem right. And so, like, 
he was like, what do I do? And I was just like, I don't even know. What do I do? And I was like, so I was so scared. And he was just like, I don't know, like, just go back. And I'm just like, damn. So like, he actually had ended up dropping me off at the Walgreens and I just walked back. And so I literally just walked in the front door of my house, like, Hey y'all, what y'all doing? And then like, <laughs> okay, it's not funny, but, um, my parents are like, what the hell? And I think my mom was like, at this point, like, she didn't even say anything. She was like, you know what? I'm gonna let your dad handle this. Like, just, she was just like, whatever. And then I think I had made up, like, some elaborate lie to my dad about how, um, about how they wouldn't let me see my, okay, so basically, they wouldn't let me see my sixth grade best friend because they just didn't like her. They thought she was a bad influence, but she wasn't. It was me, actually, that was, that would have been the bad influence, but they just didn't like her. So I had just made up this whole thing about how my um, my best friend E, if you remember her sixth grade, I just lied about how her brother had went to like pick us up and we wanted to see each other. So I had snuck out because you know we I wasn't allowed to see her, and so I, I think I didn't actually get in trouble for that. I think I actually was still good, and then. Because I remember I still had my phone and everything. They had given me my phone back. So I had two phones at the time. And then, yeah. So basically, that was my whole entire dynamic. I was sneaking out to go see him. And like I said, this relationship was kind of like more of like a parent-child thing. Because he would take me out to the mall, like out to eat and stuff. And I would like pick out clothes. And like I had to show the, I had to show him like what I picked out. And like he would buy them for me for me and I had to leave him at leave the clothes at his house because he didn't want me wearing them anywhere else and so he became like very very controlling like I couldn't wear certain underwear around him or he would get mad like I remember I was wearing like regular underwear like just just stuff that like was regular like I was still 14 at the time like it wasn't like I was wearing a thong or anything but he it was just like a little bit I think it was like a bikini like, those bikini, like, panties, like, girls, you know what I'm talking about, but I was just wearing, like, normal, regular ass underwear, and he just got so mad that I was wearing them, and he didn't talk to me for, like, the rest of the night, like, he turned around and was just, like, I'm not talking to you, like, you're, like, he wasn't, he didn't, he never called me a hoe or anything, but he was just, like, I don't like you wearing that underwear, and, like, why are you wearing this, and you're trying to, you know, show off for other people, he was, like, I don't like other people looking at you, like, you're like your mind type of thing sorry and so that was like kind of the dynamic and it just got like really weird he would call he would call me like his little girl and stuff and I mean at the time I was cool with it because I was just like you know I was young and I was just like I think it was just like daddy literally daddy issues that's all I had to say. Oh, I just stopped knocked the microphone on my hand <laughs> um daddy issues is all I gotta say and yeah so it was just like extremely controlling to the point where like I couldn't even hang out with certain friends he would get really pissed off whenever I hang out with my friend E like my friend E just got the worst of it like my parents didn't like her and neither did um the uh B so like I just like kind of like step back from her and I, I stopped talking to her after a while as well as like all of my other friends I feel like I was really distant because I basically used them to go see 
um be whenever I was at their house I was all I was worried about was like going to see him I remember I was staying with one of my friends and it was like the middle of the night and he was like I think he had he had actually bought me a phone and paid for the service so like he was coming to my friend's house to like drop me off and or drop off the phone and I I was drunk I think <laughs> me and my friend were like drunk or high or something and I remember just like leaning over the fence and I was just, he gave me the phone I was just like oh my god I love you so much <laughs> like I was touching his face and I was just like oh my gosh because I was like so high but like and then like another friend I would like use her as a cover-up so I would like my parents would maybe like drop me off at her house or something or she would pick me up I would stay there for a little bit and then I would go with him so like all of my friends I was basically using to just like go see him that was my entire world and although he was controlling this was something that I was used to because my parents were the same way the way that my the way that B treated me was the way that my parents treated me but just like more of like a a, a loving thing like it was so weird and you know he had also like and he was cheating on me the whole entire time like I remember finding girls in his phone and he had actually tried to get me in like a polyamorous relationship with somebody else and like y'all I was put through like real life adult situations and like like and there was also like no telling him no like he was buying me all of these things I would get like he bought me like a huge gigantic teddy bear for valentine's day i was coming home with all this like stuff like all this bath and body works all these new clothes and then my parents were like they would never really question me like they would like kind of be a little bit suspicious like mm, you got a little boyfriend but i guess they just assumed that it was somebody from school and they never really questioned me about it but like i was literally coming home with like a lot of stuff and so i feel like he thought i was obligated to like give him something so every time like we had sex like there was no telling him no there was no like sometimes I would be like oh I don't feel like doing this or I don't feel like doing it he would just be like girl like you know he would just like dismiss what I had to say and just like persuade either persuade me into doing it anyways or just like do like just do it you know and so um at the time I didn't really care like I didn't really think that it was anything um and so yeah and like whenever he had tried whenever I had found out that he was talking to all these girls and that he wanted me in like a polyamorous relationship because he had actually like called me on the phone in the middle of the night and that was like my first ever heartbreak I y'all I had snot running down my nose like I was crying like that was my and I just went through all of this stuff alone like I was dealing with an adult relationship adult problems at such a young age and like I was going through it alone there was nobody that I could like come to and tell them about anything I just had to deal with it myself because the people my age were off doing their own thing like doing normal things and I was sitting here in this adult relationship dealing with heartbreak dealing with pain dealing with this like controlling abusive person as well as like dealing with my own family dynamics so like I was going through a lot of stuff internally and I felt like I had nobody to go to so um I let a lot of stuff slide and there was not really anybody telling me like hey this isn't good or maybe like hey you shouldn't be doing this I was just kind of doing it and after I had found out like he was talking to this other girl he he was in love with this other girl and 
know, but he was also in love with me. I started like going off and going back onto those apps that I was on previously. I would just be like, you know, all about him. But now I was kind of like, okay, he doesn't really care about me. And I, I knew this because there was specifically, there was specifically one moment that I will never, ever forget because this was when he was like talking to both of us at the same time. And I knew this, he told, he told both of us. And for a while I was just like, I just kind of like let it be because I wanted him so bad. I was just like, I don't even care what you do at this point. But I remember I was at his house one time I had snuck out and we were getting ready to leave. And I was just like looking at him and I like I started crying. I was literally bawling my eyes out. And I remember I felt so much pain. Like you couldn't tell me that that wasn't a heartbreak. You couldn't tell me that like I I wasn't feeling what I was feeling. Like I felt like I loved this person. I felt like this person was my life. And I was just like crying. And I was telling him like, I love you so much. Like, can you just like be with me? Like I was begging him to just be with me and I like remember like looking at his face and it was just like the coldest expression like I ever like like at that point I knew he didn't care about me because like he had no emotion over his face like he was just look like staring at me blankly and I'm just like I just knew at that point like he didn't really care about me but I still was with him because I was still attached to him and he offered me that sense of freedom that I that I wanted so you know I stayed with him and then like during this time I was still talking to other people and I had actually like was still sneaking out like I was confident enough to like sneak out and like go see other people now because I had already done it so much so there was this one night where I had actually met up with this guy and he was like 28 and again I was 14 he knew he knew my age but I think he was too high to care and he ended up like picking me up I think he had a Mustang like he ended up picking me up and I was like oh my gosh that's so cool and he was like hey let's go to this party and I'm like okay so um he's driving me to his like family's party and like before we get out the car he just like he pulls out this little pipe thing and he's like do you want to smoke this? And I'm like, mm, what is it? And he's like, it's, can I say this on here? I don't know. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to say, he's like, it's methamphetamines. And I was like, what is that? And he was like, <laughs> he was like, it's, he was like, it's just methamphetamines. And I was like, okay. Cause at the time I had no idea what that was. So I was like, all right, whatever, I'll try it. And so I had ended up like smoking that stuff. And then I had like went to the party and I don't know how, again, uh, during the course of all this, I don't know how anyone didn't question my age. Like, even B, like, had took me to meet his family, and it just, I guess it just didn't register to them that I was so young. And I'm going to wrap this up, too, because I know, like, I'm I'm about to come up on an hour and, like, 30 minutes. <laughs> but I want you guys to get as much detail as possible. I'm telling you kind of, like, all of the major events that happened. So, basically, um what had happened was I went to this party and they were all like I was kind of you know already in that like adult mentality and I was just like "Uh uh-huh I can drink more than all of you guys and so they were literally not even shots they were handing me cups and cups of alcohol and I don't even remember what it was but I was just downing it and all I could remember is just like drinking and drinking and drinking and on top of like the stuff that I had just smoked I was 
high off of my ass. I was literally so high. I couldn't even function. I remember um, as soon as, like, I got up to pee one time. And then after that, it was just like, I was stumbling back and forth to the bathroom. I had to keep peeing constantly. Like, every time I I sat down, I got back up to go pee again. And it was just like constantly that thing until I had actually ended up staying in the bathroom because I had to pee so much. And then um, I remember like I literally threw up everywhere in the bathroom. And I was just like, oh, I don't feel good. And then like one of his family members was like, are you okay? And I'm just like, no, I'm like really drunk. And, you know, I can't even comprehend anything. I don't even like that was so vivid. Like I still vividly remember being there. But you know, he had, he actually got mad at me for being drunk. And he was like, see, I told you you can't drink more than me. This is why you don't act like you don't try to challenge me or whatever. And I'm just like, boy, whatever. And he was like Colombian at the time. So he had like a thick, deep accent. And I could not barely comprehend anything this man was saying. But and he also got mad at me because I would always ask him like, huh, huh? After everything that he said. So it was kind of already like that barrier there. And he, yeah, he ended up, I don't even know how I got back home because all I remember was just, like, stumbling to the car. Like, I could not walk on a straight line. Like, I just barely remember even getting back into my house. And then, like, after that, like, I would still smoke that stuff and I would go out with him. He literally took me to a crack house. I was in a crack house. I saw people, like, on the couch and, oh my goodness, like, people had their teeth out, I didn't even know if they were dead or alive, like, it was just, like, the worst thing ever, and I think that's when I had, like, stopped, I was like, okay, I'm not doing this, because y'all are, I don't even know what's going on, like, there was always something that was just, like, like, that little, like, voice inside of me that was just, like, no, like, don't be doing this, and so, like, thankfully, like, thank God I never got addicted to anything, like, I was just, like, after I saw that, I was like, okay, I'm never doing this again, and I just didn't do it, and, um, I think he ended up actually going to jail. <laughs> I don't know what he went to jail for, but he went to jail. And during this whole time, like all this was happening, I was still with B. So I was going through, I put myself through a lot of stuff. Like I was thinking about going to see guys, putting myself in, so putting myself in situations like that. And again, parents didn't know a thing. Like they still didn't know that whole story with, um, that guy that I had went out with. And, um, yeah, and then, and then there would be, like, times where I would stay out until, like, I would be out at, like, I would sneak out at night and I wouldn't come back home until, like, well into, like, 11 in the morning. And my parents still didn't find out anything. Like, I was just out. They didn't check up on me. They didn't really, like, care. And so I'm going to flash forward, like, the end of my ninth, not the end of my ninth grade year. Actually, yeah, the end of my ninth grade year, so I was about to be 15, wasn't quite 15 yet, and my parents had ended up telling me that we were moving, and this was the end of my world. I was just like, oh my gosh, my life is over, I can't see B anymore, I can't sneak out, I can't do all of this and that, and, um, you know, I thought, I was just like, my life is ending, this is terrible, and so, um, I had tried to, like, see B as much as I could before we ended up going to Michigan, and I remember, like, during this time, it was, like, right when we were about to leave, so my parent, my mom had, like, packed up the whole entire house, my dad had already left to Michigan because he was going to find a house and, like, a job and everything, so he was in Michigan before we were, and my mom had, like, packed up our whole entire 
apartment complex and we went to go stay with my aunt in her like tiny little apartment um just for a couple days because we were moving and I remember I I think I like I was still seeing B but there was one night where me and my sister had gotten to a fight and um my mom ended up like getting super pissed at us and like she was whooping us and then um I remember she was like she told me she was like where's your phone give me your phone and I'm like oh lord and I was like okay it's over there on the table and then she's like well what's that in your shirt and it was the phone that B had given me and I still had it and it wasn't like I always had it like in the waistband of my pants and she's like well what's that and I'm like nothing and I was like oh my god please I was like please I don't want I don't want this to happen I was like please lord please but she ended up like reaching like she tore my whole entire shirt off to get to this phone because I was I was kicking I was screaming I was doing anything that I could to like I was just like she can't have this phone because on the home screen it was me and B like we were at the mall we had a picture and like you could tell he obviously was grown as hell because at the time I think he was like he was either 20 I think he was 20 about to be 21 and I was still 14 about to be 15 so like I was just like oh my god and like she ended up getting the phone and like I had like a whole entire panic attack like I was screaming and crying because I didn't know what to do and um I think like yeah like after that my mom like that was a whole thing like she was beating my ass and like you know everybody was kind of just like sitting there like what the hell like what do I do and I was freaking out because I was just like um I think I had used my cousin's phone and I was just like hey I texted B and I was like please don't text me like my mom has my phone like she just found it and during that whole entire time that like we were staying there up until we went to Michigan it was so freaking awkward like my mom was just like calling like I had to listen to her like on the phone like calling out my name telling every single family member that she knew about what was going on and my dad and everything everybody was like so disappointed in me and like there was again there wasn't nobody like asking me like well why are you doing this or anything or let's put you in therapy or you know let's talk about it it was just more of like I'm gonna beat your ass or I'm gonna call you out your name and then um just like kind of make me feel bad about the whole situation which obviously because you know stuff that I was doing wasn't right but at the same time I didn't have any like guidance and I and you would think that my mom would be the one to like tell me hey like she did tell me a little bit of like hey like this is what I went through but at the same time it wasn't like a heart to heart we she didn't genuinely sit me down and be like hey like you know this is why you shouldn't do this um and I remember one time like 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 I said, during up, like, leading to the time that we moved to Michigan, um, we had gotten to, like, another argument after that, and she really pissed me off, so I had ended up, like, stepping outside, and she locked the door behind me, and I was, like, you know what, fine, bye, and this was, like, 2020, so this was, like, the middle of COVID, like, this was, like, the very beginning of COVID, and so I was, like, going around the complex, and I was asking people, like, hey, can I use your phone, and uh, one person did let me use their phone, and I called B, and I was like, hey, like, can you come pick me up? Like, my mom just kicked me out, and I don't know what to do, and so we agreed to, like, that he would pick me up at the bus station, like, right across the street from the gas station, so that way there was, like, nobody that could see us, and so, like, he ended up, he ended up picking me up, and I stayed there for, like, hours and hours until, like, I got scared that he was, like, I got scared that my, like, the cops were gonna come to the house, they were gonna find out where he was, and he was gonna get arrested, so I was, like, okay, just drop me off at my uncle's house, because I was at my aunt's house, and I was just, like, they're not gonna be there, so drop me off at my uncle's house, and he was literally, like, pull. he, he parked a couple of blocks away from my uncle's house, and, like, I was crying, bawling my eyes out, 
again he was kind of like emotionless I don't, I don't even think there was a tear coming out of his eye he was just like stop you're gonna make me cry while I was over here like bawling my eyes out and um so I ended up getting out the car and I'm like walking and then he had actually like ended up pulling up next to me again getting out the car and giving me a hug and while he's giving me a hug I kid you not, while we're like mid-hug, guess whose car is pulling in the driveway to my uncle's house? And I just remember like, I just remember like the car pulling up and like while we're hugging, like I could see the house, like I could see that, like that was in my vision. I, I saw the car and I looked at the bumper sticker and I was like, oh shit. And I, and I saw the car stop for a second and I was like, oh, I was like, fuck. I was just like, be run i was like run get in the car go that's my mom and he so he's like running to the other side to get in the car and my mom's like zooming in my uncle's driveway to like turn around and my and like he's getting in his car and he's turning around and so like i just remember my mom going after that car and i'm just like going after his truck and i'm like oh my god please i was like literally so scared i was just like he's gonna get in trouble he's gonna go to jail it's all my fault oh my goodness like and i was freaking the hell out and my aunt was like what the hell are you doing and you know, all of this stuff, and I, I think, you know, like, my siblings and my cousin were just, like, I hate you, why are, why are you doing this, and it was, that was, like, a really, a really rough time for everybody, and then, um, yeah, so, like, she didn't end up catching him, because, like, my aunt actually, like, let me use her phone, because I was freaking out so damn much, and, like, I ended up calling him, because that was, like, the only thing I was worried about, I was just, like, he can't get caught, he can't go to jail, it's gonna be my fault, and so, like, I ended up calling him. He was like, no, like, I'm, I'm good. Like, um, you know, I, I I got away from her. And so uh, I actually went. So actually, like, maybe a couple days after that, we ended up moving to Michigan. And I felt like my entire world came crashing down because yet again, I was grounded. And actually, this time, I didn't have a phone. So, like, this time, I didn't have no, like, there was no trap phone. There was no way that I was, like, being able to, like, I tried you know, I tried to get a phone, I tried to be like, okay, I need to talk to him, I need to talk to him, but, like, there was absolutely no way this time that I was able to get a phone, and, like, so for months, especially while we were, like, settling in the new house, it was still COVID, so we couldn't really go anywhere, and, um, I had to, like, finish up my ninth grade year online, and, like, I just remember, like, my mom, she would like call me out my name sometimes. She would be like, "You're a bitch. You're a hoe." Like that. Like she would make me cry. Like the stuff that she was saying to me was like so nasty and foul. Like it just it like really hurt my feelings. And again, I felt really alone because there wasn't like anyone that I could go to with this stuff. And actually, I felt a little bit more. I felt better because like in Michigan, we had weight. Like my dad's side. Like we had my mom's side of the family. And we had my dad's side of the family there. So we had a lot of family there that I could just, like, go to. And I was kind of reconnecting with my half-siblings that I never really grew up with. So I was kind of mainly over their house. And my parents had kind of, like, dropped me off with my older, like, half-sister. So my we had the same dad and, because my dad had kids before he met my mom. So I was kind of with them. And my sister was, like, 25 at the time. And so I was, like, kind of staying with her. And I felt like a little bit better because I could kind of like let her in on some of the stuff that I was going through you know and my dad was just like you know talk some sense into her whatever so I ended up staying there and um damn 
we're already coming up on like an hour and I still have so much to say. <laughs> I don't want to make a part three. <laughs> okay, I might just end it here and then like if you guys want a part three and if you're still interested in everything on this is like I'm kind of telling you guys everything that happened that led up to like where I am right now so like if you want a part three please let me know but if you're just like girl I don't want to hear any more of this like please let me know like I I just want to share as much as I can that's gonna like help you guys kind of like get to know me more and like the way that I am and I'm also going to be making um a podcast episode on like how I'm healing from all this so like I don't want to just like trauma dump on you and it'd be like boom here you go I'm also gonna give you guys like some tips and stuff that I did to like heal from all of this but I do want to let you like in on my story so if you want a part three and if you want me to go in depth on like how I got here please let me know because there's still a lot more like this isn't even like the full story like you guys are probably sitting here like what the hell but this isn't even the full story like I'm leaving out a lot of stuff because it's hard to sum up my life in an hour in two hours but Okay, yeah, so basically, um, all of that stuff happened. My sister was, like, trying to talk some sense into me or whatever. So um, I'm going to kind of just, like, lay it out for you real quick. So my dad had, like, five other kids before he had my mom. So there was – I had, like, two – I had two sisters and three brothers. And one of the brothers was in San Antonio. So I had two brothers in Michigan and two sisters – and they were kind of like some of them were married and had their own kid and you know their own wives and stuff so um my sister the one that I was staying with was the only one that was like not married or anything she was still living with you know my dad's ex you know they had their house so I would just kind of be over there and um yeah and I think after a while my parents were just like I kind of my my dad was like okay like you can't keep ignoring her like this something has to give and my mom ended up like being like okay whatever I'll talk to you again and it wasn't really a sincere like we didn't again we didn't really talk about anything that happened it was just kind of like all right we're gonna let it go and I feel like it really needed to have like a deep sincere conversation or at least like some type like my family was really good at like wiping stuff under the rug and just like not talking about anything not getting help for anything and just like having outbursts like that so um my mom had ended up like talking to me again and I turned 15 at the time so like as soon as I got my phone back I remember I like my parents had gave me my phone back at some point I was still talking to B I was still like I like the first thing I think that's the first thing I did was like try to talk to B and you know um and I think after a while I had told him and it wasn't until I moved to Michigan that I told him how old I actually was and he was like mad at me for a little while and he like I think he didn't talk to me for like two days and he ended up like coming back to me. He was like, I love you so much. Like, you know, I, I just don't want to lose you. And he started getting like really weird and he used me a lot. Like this man used me so much. Like he's, he was saying like weird things. He was like, I, at one point he told me like, I, I wish you would have told me sooner and like all of that, like not even like as in like, so I could have like left. He was like, I wish you would have told me sooner so I could have enjoyed it. Like he was an actual like pedophile. Like he like, and that's what also made me think that he knew this entire time how old I was. There was no way that you wouldn't. Cause every time he asked me about my school, every time he asked me about something pertaining to my ID or my age, I would always just like, you know, not, I wouldn't say anything about it. And I would just kind of like sweep it under the rug. And 
I think I said before, like, even his family was like, how old are you? He took me to meet his mom and everything. Like, I went over his house. Like, you know, I was there at his, like, little family events and stuff. So, like, I was, like, in his life. Like, I was genuinely in his life. And, you know, like, he just didn't care. Like, after I had told him my age, he just didn't care. And he was still with me. And so, um, like, and he would just, actually, he got weirder. He started saying more weird stuff. He started actually, like, like, if I actually told you everything that this man has said to me, like, you would be disgusted right now. Um, but yeah, so that's the first thing I did. And then I also remember, like, during this time, I wanted to get a job and I wanted to start working. So I remember getting my first job at McDonald's and everything. You know, that's everybody's first job when they're 15. And I had to get, like, a state ID in order to, like, keep this job because, you know, I, di- I didn't have anything, like, you know, it was my first time, my first ever job, but I don't know how I still got it. Like I didn't get my state ID, but I still got the job. And also like one of the very first things my mom had told me when I got my first job was you're not going to make as much money as me. I don't even know why you're happy. Like, why are you even excited right now? Like that's the type of person that she was like, she was a very jealous, mean, spiteful person. And there wasn't like, there was very few good things that came out of my mother's mouth, especially when it came to me. So I was working this job. I was trying to get my state ID and I remember making the appointment and like I told my dad about it and I usually went to my dad about these things because, you know, like that was my, like, like I said, I went to him and I felt really bad for him and we kind of like, we kind of connected in that way because my mom was the same way. We knew how my mom was. I was the oldest and um, I could kind of resonate with him. So like I told him everything about the appointment. I was like, you need to take me and um like he agreed up until like the very last day and he was like yeah well um I can't take you because I'm not on your birth certificate so I was like okay fine whatever and then like my mom was sitting there so she obviously knew like he couldn't take me and so I was like mom like can you take me this is what this is all the information this is what you need to have like and she agreed she literally agreed to it she was like okay fine whatever and then comes the next day it's literally maybe like 20 minutes before my appointment and I'm like already like I I spent so much time doing my hair and makeup because I was like I want my picture to look nice and so I come down I'm like hey I'm ready and my mom's like I'm not taking you because you and your dad never tell me anything y'all are always you know trying to gang up against me and like she made it about herself she literally made it about herself and just like made up this whole thing about how me and my dad never tell her anything and so like she was just like I'm not taking you I was pissed I was so pissed because I was like are you serious? Like, you literally just said that you would take me, and now you're making up some, like, lame-ass excuse of, like, why you can't take me, so, and then, like, my dad had tried to, like, tell her something, and then they started fighting, and then, like, bringing me into it, and my dad was the type of person, like, whenever him and my mom would get into fights, he would just be, like, I'm gonna kill myself, and, like, you know, he would just make me, like, I was scared. I was, like, because I was packing up my stuff, and I was, like, about to go to my sister's house, because I was just, like, I don't even want to deal with this right now, and I was genuinely so afraid to leave my dad alone because I thought he was going to hurt himself. And that was like some of the burdens that like I had to carry. And I I really wish that like, you know, because I was also the oldest. So like I had to handle like all of the stuff that when my parents were going through half of the time I was in the middle of it trying to, you know, fix it. And I still had ended up going to my sister's house, but, like, the whole entire time I was on the phone with my, like, I wasn't even on the phone with her. I was texting my mom, and I was trying to, like, 
fix it. I was desperately trying to fix it because I didn't want, like, I was, I felt really bad. And I was just, like, texting my mom. And I was, like, hey, like, my dad, like, like, um, I was, like, he's trying to, like, hurt himself. Like, can you just, like, make up with him or something? Like, I remember texting her something like that. And she was, like, shut the fuck up. Like, you don't even, like, she cussed me out. She cussed me and my sister out. And she was, like, I don't even want you guys or something like that. And, you know, like, that hurt me and my sister. We were just, like, there. And we were just, like, like what the fuck do we do? <laughs> and um, I think after that, like, my dad had ended up coming to my sister's house. It was, like, a whole family thing. Like, it caused a whole family, like, chaos. Everybody was at, you know, my, my, um, my dad's ex's house, and, like, we were just there. All of my siblings were there, like, um, their husband, like, their husband, wife's, like, children were there, and, you know, everybody was just there because it was, like, a family crisis, and my dad was, like, sitting in the, on the back porch with my older siblings, and he was talking about how he didn't want to be here, and that he was just gonna, you know, drive off a cliff and everything, and, like, it, like, it scared me. I was just, like, all of this happened because I tried to go get my state ID. I was just like, what the fuck? I was like, literally, what the hell? And I thought it was my fault. And I'm just like, Ugh. and so, okay, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to wrap it up because this is coming on an hour now. And I'm, and I only have um, an hour to record. So basically what had happened was like, I had ended up staying with my older sister for like the one who was 25 for a little while and um one of my my brother had ended up driving me back to my house for a period of time because um because I needed to pick some stuff up so I can go to work and my mom was like side-eyeing me the whole time and I remember like my my brother standing there talking to my um talking to my dad and my me and my sister standing in the hallway and my mom just comes and she like shoves my sister aside so she can get through like didn't even say excuse like it was unprovoked literally unprovoked we were just standing there and she like pushed my sister to like get past us and I'm like you could have said excuse me like that was rude and she's like what did you say to me and like she was like oh you want to fight me you want to fight me and I'm just like no I just said like you could have said excuse me you just pushed her to get through us and she was like you're so fucking disrespectful and like she I just remember she started pushing me and pushing me into the bathroom until I fell over the tub and then like I just all hell broke loose after that and like she literally just started like and I, and I can remember my sister too she was like mom just please stop please stop and that like hurt me so bad and like she like had dragged me all the way into the living room was on top of me literally beating the shit out of me and all my dad was like doing was holding my brother back like not my brother he was holding my little brother and he was just like telling my mom like stop stop like that was gonna do anything like there everybody that was there didn't do anything but watch literally nothing nobody broke it up nobody like all they did was like be like hey stop my brother didn't even do he was just standing there and um I remember saying anything that I could to just hurt my mom because I was just like why are you doing this like I was just like I hate you like you know she was telling me that and like we were just kind of like going back and forth with each other and she was like I'm fucking sick of you, and I'm just, like, you're miserable, like, I was telling her anything that I could to just, like, hurt her, because she was hurting, like, she was physically beating my ass on top of, like, this is, like, she was, she wasn't no, like, she was a little hefty woman, so she was on top of me, like, beating the shit out of me, and then, like, um, I remember she, like, she was, like, fuck you, and, like, she, um, opened the door and, like, pushed me off the railing, and I kind of just, like, I almost, like, broke my, like, broke my head open, because she, like, the porch was steep, like, it was a, it was a, um, it was a concrete porch, and, like, she shoved me 
out the door and I almost like fell over and um I remember I was like fuck this I was like fuck you and I had ended up like I called the police on myself I called the police on her because you know I had like glass in my hand from my phone like she literally shattered the phone in my hand and you know it again it was like a whole family issue and now I had more people involved because I had so much family in Michigan so everyone was like what the fuck like my brother and his wife were just like um which is my sister-in-law so my brother and his wife were like what the hell like they were the main ones that were like kind of taking care of it because they had drove me there and so like I had went to the police and everything and like CPS got involved again and I had ended up staying with the 25 year old sister that I was talking about and she had offered to like you know watch me take me in or whatever while CPS was you know in my life and I remember my dad was just like guilt tripping me into you know feeling bad he was just like why would you do this of course it was my fault and so yeah that's kind of how I ended up staying with my younger sister and if you guys want to hear all of the shenanigans that happened with that, please let me know. But I'm coming up on 60 minutes now. So let me know if you guys want a part three and I will definitely do that for you guys. Bye. Okay, so this is technically part three and I think that I can actually merge all of the parts into one and just make it one long ass episode. So I might do that. I don't know. I might put a poll up and ask you guys what you want. Do you want parts or do you want me to put it all together? Because, you know, in each part, I was like, okay, go to part two, go to part three. But you actually don't have to go anywhere. If I can merge all these episodes together, then like it's just going to be one long ass two hour episode. So I don't know. I'm going to lead up to you guys and I'm going to see what you guys want. And then that will be how the story goes. So I left off on my mom. So we had gotten to like this huge fight and she ended up like, you know, beating the shit out of me and then just like throwing me off the porch. And I got, I was super pissed and I was just like, you know what, I'm actually taking the initiative and I'm calling the cops because I had like, I was so upset. Like if you could just like imagine how I was feeling, I was pissed I was sad like I was just I had so much anger built up within me because I was just like I didn't do anything to you this was completely unprovoked I may have had like a little attitude or whatever but she literally we me and my sister were standing in the doorway all she had to say was like excuse me or even move like even move would have been like I guess decent but she just literally pushed past my sister like bumped my sister into me and I'm just like you really could have said excuse me that's all I said was you could have said excuse me and she's like you know wanting to fight me and I just feel like it it was just like this built-up energy and she just was talking about how she's tired of me and stuff but I'm gonna get into this because this is like actually like the part that really hurt me so I ended up calling the police and me and my sister-in-law um my brother's wife ended up like taking me to the police station and filing a police report and everything and so that that was a whole thing and then CPS ended up getting involved again and I remember like when I had walked out of the police station, my dad was there because they had to, like, go talk to them, too. And my dad was just, like, giving me a hug. And he was just, like, I don't know why you're doing this. And da, da, da. So just, just, like, literally guilt-tripping me and making me feel so bad. Like, that day, I felt extremely bad. And I felt like, again, everything was my fault. And, you know, just, like, I was the problem child. Like, I, I was the main one causing all these problems. And I kind of took on the burdens of literally everything. And during the process of, like, this whole entire journey, which is not even everything, mind you, like, this is not even my whole entire story. This is just, like, summaries of major events that have happened in my life. And I know you're probably, like, holy shit, she's been talking for two hours. This is a lot. I know. 
But yeah, like during this whole entire journey, I don't think my parents ever said I'm sorry like one time. And if it was, it was just like, it wasn't genuine. It was just like, oh, we're in trouble. Now we're like, you know, something's happening to us. So now we're sorry. Or just like trying to say like, I'm sorry, just to guilt trip me. So it wasn't really like an actual genuine, I'm sorry. I never got any help or anything. I never got therapy. We never sat down and had an actual conversation. All of the stuff was just like buried underneath the surface. We didn't talk about anything. Nobody talked about how they felt. I was very depressed from all of the suppressed emotions that I had. I didn't have an outlet at that time. And, you know, my technically, my outlet was guys. And so, um, yeah, I think I don't remember like what the dynamic between me and B was. I don't really think I was talking to him that much because obviously I had my own stuff going on and we were in like completely different states now. So I was mainly focused on like that situation. I was still talking to him here and there, but it wasn't like he was still being disgusting and gross now that he knew my actual age. We were still together, still talking. Um, and yeah, so like once I had filed the police report, I had ended up actually living with my or actually I was staying with my sister um my actual like half sister not my sister-in-law my brother which we'll get into that later but I was staying with my half sister that was 25 and she lived with my dad's ex so that's her mom and my um other half brother was also living there as well as my um my dad's ex's husband so like she had already remarried she had a whole husband and um my two youngest siblings were still living with her so my sister was 25 and then the brother was like I think a couple years older than that so um I ended up staying with them they offered like to you know keep me there and it was pretty chill because everyone was just like what the hell and everybody was kind of just like we all convened as like a family without my parents and we were just like okay this is like like so insane and I remember we were at my my sister had taken me to my sister-in-law's house, so my brother's wife. I'm sorry if this is so confusing. Like, I don't want to just give out names. So I'm just going to say, um, hmm, what can I just call my sister? Uh, I don't know. What, I, like, and I don't, I don't even know any names off the top of my head. So I'm just going to say my sister and then my sister-in-law and my brother. So hopefully, I, I'm sorry, hopefully you understand what I'm talking about. So basically, my sister had drove me to my sister-in-law's house, and we were all like kind of just, like I said, convening there. We were talking about everything that happened, and I was just telling them everything. My sister was like trying to, you know, cover up my hand because I had like broken, like it was tiny though. It wasn't like major. I had like a little tiny glass in my hand, and we were kind of just like talking about everything, like what was going to happen, and then... I had actually remembered that I my parents had cameras, so they had a living room camera, and I knew the information to this camera. So I was like, you know what, let me log into the cameras and see if I can get the footage because it should like have everything on there. And, you know, we were all like, everybody was like gathered around me while I was trying to like look into the cameras and figure out the password. And eventually I did end up getting into the cameras. And it was actually like the camera, the way that it was. So it had like footage from all of like the previous days, but it also had live footage. So I was able to like go and see my parents in real time and like, you know, everything that they were saying. And basically like some of like this really hurt me because some of like the worst things were said to me during this time. And like, I was just looking at it and they were talking about how um, my mom was just saying how she hates me and she wished that I, 
she would have kept me in Texas and, you know, just saying all these like foul, nasty things about me. Like some things I, I don't even think I can say on here because it's just so nasty and rude. And but yeah, um, she was saying all of these things about me and my dad was just like sitting there basically agreeing with her. Like he didn't really he was just like, yeah, yeah. And he wasn't really saying anything like against it basically and he was saying like how one of my brothers was his favorite because he didn't like cause any drama or anything so basically everybody was just like around us and I think it hurt everybody really because everyone just kind of like heard them air out their dirty laundry not knowing that we were sitting there listening to them the whole entire time which is basically when people's true colors come out like when no one's watching and no one's around like we were there and actually seeing what the fuck they were thinking in real time and it was very hurtful I think for everybody so and I and I think the main thing that hurt me the most was my dad like I didn't really give a shit about what my mom was saying it still hurt me yeah but the the thing that really stung me the most was that my dad said nothing like he didn't say anything to stick up for me he didn't say anything to defend me and even while that whole pro like that whole situation was happening my dad never was like got up like what he should have did was got up get my mom off me and like be like what the fuck are you doing like stop but instead he was just sitting there on the sidelines like stop 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 and he wasn't doing anything when and my brother too when they both had the the opportunity to like just get her off of me and just like stop it and I feel like none of this would have happened and I mean I would have been pissed but I wouldn't been pissed enough to like call the police because she you know technically it stopped before it could get any worse but nobody stopped it and like I said in the previous parts, like me and my dad were actually really close. I I had a close bond with my dad and I just felt hurt and angry at him because I was just like, during this whole time, I felt so guilty and, you know, I, I kind of like gave in to your emotional ma manipulation and just kind of like, like, I just, I, I can't even explain the dynamic of like how it was, but I was so, I felt so connected to my dad and I just felt really bad for him. And it was just the fact that, like, he never stuck up for me. And, you know, he was just basically agreeing with all st the stuff that my mom was saying. And, yeah, he didn't really do much at all. And so I think that part really hurt me. But anyways, after this, like, I had tried to get the footage. But then my parents, like, saw that I, like, they got the notification that, like, someone had logged into the cameras. And so they went and deleted literally everything, which is basically speaks for itself. And I don't even think I could have used it in court anyways because, you know, it was their own live footage stuff. So, yeah, they had ended up deleting everything and um, I had ended up going to stay with my sister who, um, like, again, offered to take me in and stuff while this whole court thing was being sorted out. Like, now CPS was involved. I had to go to court. My parents had to go back to court. Like, it was a whole thing. And my parents still had guardianship over me like I could have easily like they could have easily been like okay you're going back to them but I believe let me see I was still 15 at the time yeah I was still 15 so um I I had like a little bit of say so and like where I wanted to go I can kind of speak up for myself because it wasn't like I was 12 anymore and I just like didn't have any like I was capable enough to just stay over there so they let me stay over there and while I was at my sister's house I thought it was cool at first everything was cool like my sister was fine she kind of just like um she was a little bit lenient at first she kind of let me do what I wanted to do um not saying that like she didn't have any rules or anything but it was more like chill laid back um and I could like still go out with friends I oh wait 
no, that's later in the story. Yeah, so I could, like, still go out with friends, even though I didn't really have that many friends. I think I, like, I was still dating at the time. So, like, even though I was still talking to Brandon, I was still, mind you, I was still on these apps, still talking to guys, still doing all that stuff, like, usually doing what I, like, normally did. I didn't have any time to, like, really unpack what had happened in the previous years because it was happening again. So this was another situation. And, like, it wasn't something that, like, I could really sit down and unpack. So I was still doing the same thing, still finding that escape, going to court dates, trying to go to school. And it was still COVID, so I had to go online. And um, I think I maybe met up with, like, one person um, that was going to the school that I was going to. Like, I didn't really go out that much. I just kind of, like, I was trying to escape in any way that I could. And I would tell my – I would let my sister in on, like, some of the stuff that I was doing or some of the guys that I was talking to because – you know, I, I really didn't feel like I had anyone to talk about that stuff. And so, like, when someone gave me the opportunity to talk about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this, this, and this, and I did this and this because I was just like, you know. And at the time, <laughs> at the time, I also had dyed my hair. And this was in Texas. Like, I had dyed my hair, like, bright fire truck red. So coming here, like, I had my hair, my hair was red. And so you could just, like, if you get the picture, like, if you, you know what I look like, so, like, just imagine me with, like, curly, nappy red hair, and I was just 15 years old, and I was just, like, doing what I do, but then my sister had convinced me to, like, dye it back. <laughs> She's like, girl, you look like a baby kid, and I was just like, okay, maybe, maybe I do, and so that was cool for a couple months, and then it wasn't until every, like, everything was actually, I stayed there for almost a year, I think, and then, like, I think it was about I'm trying to get like the whole timeline I think it was about like six months six months in and then I one day my I remember my sister calling me and telling me and mind you before this my sister-in-law and my sister were like who stayed at um my ex's my dad's ex's house um and the only reason I'm not giving them names is because their name also starts with B and you're gonna get it confused with the the ex in Texas all my exes live in Texas um <laughs> anyways so both of like the my dad's ex and my sister have b as their starting name so like it, it'll just be confusing but yeah so um damn i forgot what i was saying <laughs> um damn okay i'm just gonna start over so basically it was six months in oh yeah Guys, I'm so sorry. I, I'm i three parts in right now. My head's all over the place. But yeah, my sister-in-law had like joked around with me sometimes because my her and my sister were really close. So like um, they were just kind of like kind of double tag teaming on parenting me, I guess, because, you know, my sister was still 25 and my sister-in-law was like in her 30s and she had a kid. So she would basically like convene to her um, for everything. And sometimes my sister-in-law, like, we were kind of building our relationship as well while I was living with my sister. And she would, like, prank call me sometimes and be like, I think she did it, like, once, but it scared the shit out of me. And she was like, yeah, like, they said you have to go back home. And I'm just like, guys, when I tell you that fear that I felt was so intense, like, I was having a legitimate panic attack. And I'm like, what do you mean? And um, so she had pranked me before. And then um, – one day my sister had ended up like my actual sister had ended up calling me and was like, Hey, like, you're not going to like this. And I'm like, what? And she's like, your caseworker said that you have to go home. Like there's not enough evidence and da, 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 da. And I'm just like, 
are you freaking serious? I'm like, no, I can't. She was, I was like, stop playing with me because I thought she was joking because they were joking about it before. And she's like, no, I'm actually really serious. And then I had ended up calling my worker and I was on the phone in tears, literally begging her. I was like, please don't send me back home. Like, I, I don't belong there. Like, I'm really scared to go back home. Like, I was like, my hands were shaking. It was like I was put back in that trauma. I was literally so terrified to go back home. I was just like, I can't. I really can't. And she basically like agreed with my parents. She never, she was a terrible caseworker. I'm sorry, but she was so terrible. We didn't, I never got anything that I needed. Like she just didn't listen to me. And every time I would say like, hey, I'm scared to go home. She's like, I don't know what to tell you. Like you have to go back. And she wasn't very like emotionally supporting as well as like getting the things that I need either. It was just, and that's something that's also common in the system. It's just like they caseworkers have so many caseloads. So it's like they're not even being paid enough to care. So you really have to have like a heart whenever you're going into like this type of job because I was so fucking scared. And this is when I had made like the worst decision of my life. And I was just like, I remember calling my sister back and I was like, hey, I have to tell you something. And I had lied to her and told her that like my dad like sexually abused me because I knew that if I said that or if I said something so extreme, I wouldn't have to go back. And so my sister was like, what? And like she was, you know, obviously like very like she was very emotional about it. And, you know, like I had ended up telling like that, like my whole dad's side of the family or like she had actually ended up convincing me to tell my whole dad, like dad's side of the family. And I had to go into like um one of those like interviews where they like record you and everything for evidence at like some center I forgot like it there were people actually like reporting me like telling the story of what happened and like during this whole time I felt like extremely bad and this is something that like I will always regret and I will always like feel bad for because I didn't want to like lie on my dad like that of course I don't like lying and I know that I've lied in the past but like I realize you know the effects that it can have on someone and it's just not like that's why I'm telling my truth now that's why I'm so open and I'm so honest about everything that I've done in my past because I don't want there to be any dirty laundry I just want to kind of like get my story out there share my truth because I did lie in the past and it was something that like hurt everybody it affected everybody not just me and I think I was in that phase of just like I I had so much trauma again this is not an excuse but I had so much trauma and you know it, it was that bad to the point where like I will say anything and I will do anything to get out of the situation so you know it, it was actually a big deal but I still ended up having to go back home for a period of time because you know they still had to like investigate so while they were investigating I was still required to go back home and obviously like my I think they had like removed my dad from the house so he had to go stay somewhere else and that also impacted like my my little siblings which I feel really bad for because you know they had to like they couldn't see their dad and um I know that was like very hurtful for them so like I said it, it impacted everybody and you should never like lie like that and you know I I will always feel like tremendous like sorrow for what I did but um yeah, like while I was back home, that wasn't very good either. It was my mom had like started when I like as soon as I stepped foot on that porch, I knew that it was going to be bad. 
And like when I went in the house, my grandpa was there and my mom was there, my siblings and everybody. It was like so tense. If you could just like feel the tenseness in the household, it was just like I hated that feeling. And then like my mom was just kind of like, you know, like I I have to have her. It was like I was not her child anymore. That's if I could describe it, it was exactly like that. I was not her child anymore. It was like she was doing something that she had to do. She did not want me there at all. I could feel it. And you know, she was literally talking shit about me to my grandpa while I was in the room and it was like triggering me. And, you know, we got into a little argument. And I think the next day, like I was, I think I was like, I don't know, we had gotten to like some type of argument. She was antagonizing the shit out of me. And I was trying to find like, I was like, you know what, I'm leaving. I don't, I can't stay here anymore. I'm just going to call my worker. And she like was blocking the door, like entrances to everything. And um, even if I had to go to the bathroom because there was a window in the bathroom, she made me like leave the door open. She was like, no, you have to leave the door open. And like, she wouldn't let me go in the kitchen. Like she was following me around like every single step. Like I took a step. She took a step. She was literally following me everywhere and it pissed me off. And I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this. I was like, I'm I'm not freaking doing this. So again, doing what I know I had to do. I was just like, you know what? I know something that will get me out of the house. And so while I was in the bathroom, I like trigger warning, by the way, severe trigger warning. Um, I was in the bathroom and like, I started like self-harming like in front of her. And it wasn't like I was trying to like be suicidal. Like I wasn't trying to like harm myself. It was just like, I knew that this was a way that I would get out of the house. So like, that's what I did. And I knew she would call the police and it would be a thing. And I would just end up going to a mental hospital, which was significantly better than what I was in. And so as soon as she found out that I did, like, I, I immediately went out the bathroom and I was just like, yeah, I, I like I did this. And she was like, you're fucking stupid. And she took my arm and literally poured alcohol all over it and started scrubbing it with the tissue. And I, I was literally screaming and crying for her to stop. And she wouldn't. And after that, like, um. I was sitting in the room crying while she was calling the police and then afterwards she had called like I think one of her cousins or something and she was like yeah this stupid bitch just cut herself and yeah she's fucking crazy she's mental and psychotic and she was literally laughing at me like literally laughing at me and um I think that was I think that was also a point in my life where I was just like yeah my mom is not my mom anymore like she doesn't care about me obviously she doesn't even want me as her child she wish I was dead like she said all of these things to me and I was just like you know what this isn't even my mom anymore this is someone who's just like like we were, it's like we were strangers there was no connection there at all and I've never felt a connection with my mom I've never felt like she loved me at all and so she was sitting there laughing at me like making jokes at me like literally sitting in a chair in front of my door and cracking jokes at me and laughing while I was sitting there in tears crying And, you know, the police had come and I was telling them like, hey, I can't stay here. Please take me out of here. Like, I'm not suicidal. I just can't be here. And they had ended up taking me and I actually didn't go to a mental hospital. I went to like a a residential thing. So it was more of like a house. And it was like, and I think, yeah, I was still 15 at the time too. So it was a house where there were like other people my age there and it was separated. Like the boys and the girls stayed in the same house, but in separate rooms. And there was like a a staff there that would like sit in the middle of the hallway so like we couldn't go in each other's rooms obviously and while I was there I had a little bit of trouble with my eating so like I wouldn't eat sometimes and you know I was just like they put me on medication which I didn't like um 
obviously like I had to go on like and that's the also that's also the thing that I don't like about mental house like mental hospitals and residentials is that they automatically like get you with a psychiatrist and put you on some type of medication and I did not need to be put on medication I wasn't suicidal I was perfectly in the right state of mind I just did what I had to do to get out of the situation that I was in and that was the sole reason for all of the choices that I would that I made I was just like I I need to do what I need to do I was in survival mode and that's another thing that like we have to do is we have to forgive ourselves for things that we did in survival mode. It is not your fault. You have to forgive yourself. And that's something that I'm working on is like forgiving myself. But yeah, like while I was in this mental hospital, I was put on medication. I mean, sorry, residential, I was put in medication. And I had ended up meeting one of um, a very close friend of mine that I had ended up being friends with for like three years, which I'll get into. Um, but yeah, so I, I remember like he was kind of the one that I was mainly talking to. I was there and I, I remember I was like reading a lot and I was just kind of like doing my own thing and we kind of had like, we connected and he was like telling me all these stories about his life and he was just like, yeah, um, he was like, yeah, I sell drugs and I'm like, and I like have taken this, this and this and I drive and everything. And I'm like, boy, you're literally 15. Like you're younger than me. I think he was like, his birthday was like a month behind mine. I was like, I'm literally older than you. How are you driving at 15? How are you selling this, this and that? He was like, oh, you don't believe me? Um, text me when you get out of here and I'll show you. I'll prove it to you. And I'm like, okay, fine. And so when I had got out the, when I had got out the residential um, and also while I was there, like I had actually had a chance to be in therapy. And when I had told the therapist everything she gave me, she was one of the nicest therapists too. Like I wish I could connect with her again, but she had actually bought me like a pen that had like a microphone in it so it was like a microphone cam recording like pen thing and I was literally so grateful for her I felt so understood and I wish that I could have like continued therapy with her like outpatient therapy but unfortunately she was only like a therapist for the residents in there but she had given me that and given me all the resources and like I tried my hardest to be like I don't feel safe going here like I don't want to go here and like I remember going to my court dates and you know telling them hey I can't be here I don't want to be here like I only I literally lasted a day at my mom's house before I was transported somewhere else like it it just wasn't a good fit and unfortunately like there wasn't enough like some like evidence yet so I had to go back with my mom and so like she had ended up picking me up and I think around this time like she didn't even want me at the house either so we didn't want like she didn't want to deal with me as much as I didn't want to deal with her so I was basically staying at my grandpa's house for the majority of the time and um again like once I had got out of the residential I had ended up texting um the guy that I had met and we'll call him M and I had ended up texting him and I was like, hey, like, I'm out. Are you out? Like, what's up type of deal? And he had ended up texting me back when he got out and he had actually like convinced me to sneak out of my grandpa's house. <laughs> he convinced me to sneak out of my grandpa's house, which is not that hard because they were all like old. So it wasn't like they were like, you know, like on my ass about anything. And um, so, yeah, and I and I still had the phone like I had a phone um, that my sister had given me so I still like that phone had service I was still paying for the service and everything and so I still had that phone that I was texting like my um family my other side of the, my dad's side of the family on so I would text my sister my sister-in-law my brother and kind of let them know like what was going on and I was also calling them on the phone to the mental hospital too 
um, I would pretend to be calling my mom, but I would actually be calling like my sister-in-law and my my sister. And so I was still keeping them on, on, up to date about everything that was happening, all the court dates and stuff. Um, so yeah, like that one day he had, con- M had convinced me to like sneak out of my grandpa's house. And I literally just like went out the front door and was just like, bye. And, um, during that night he had actually like, he, he was so legit. He was actually legit. He picked me up in a car, you know, his mom wasn't driving him or anything. He was literally driving the car and we had, um, went to his house and we were chilling. And that was like the first time I ever did acid was when, I went to his house and he's like, hey, I have like I have these drugs. Like, do you want to take some? And he was telling me all about what acid was like was. And it was like a na- like it was man made, but it was also natural, safer than all those like other hard drugs. So I was like, OK, fine. And I didn't really give a shit at that point because I was just like, I don't care what happens to me. And, you know, I had to stay with my mom like I was in a situation that I didn't want to be in. So I was just like, I don't give a shit about anything. And, you know, so that was the first time I had ever did like a drug no it wasn't I lied y'all heard what I did like when I was 12 so that was the first time I ever took acid and I just remember being like like if I could (laughs) if I could describe acid in one word it would just be (laughs) like it was just like a bunch of visuals it was like a lot of swirly things and I was just like I was tripping balls even when I, even when he had dropped me back off at, I don't even know how he, like, he was on some drugs, like, he was on some stuff, he had been taking this and doing this, like, for God knows how long, so, like, he, I don't even know how he ended up dropping me back off, because he was still, he was on acid, too, so I ended up getting home safely, and I just went back through the door, and, um, like, by the time, like, everyone had woken up, like, I was still tripping, like, I was still, like, I was trying to act so normal, and I was just, like, "Eh." like, meanwhile, like, I'm seeing, like, swirly shit everywhere, and just, like, you know, tripping hard as hell, and, um, and and I think I also had a court date that day, too, so I was on the court date, I was on the Zoom, and I was literally, like, tripping balls, and it was also that day that, like, after the court date had happened, my mom had called my grandpa, and she was, like, and my grandpa came up to me, and he was, like, I don't know what you did. Uh, Meanwhile, okay, sorry, sorry. Backstory. I was trying to, like, this was when I was, like, also heavily into my spiritual journey. Um, I wasn't too deep into it because, obviously, like, I didn't have any, like, spiritual experiences on acid. I was just kind of, like, tripping out. But I was trying to manifest my way out of my parents' house, and I was, like, scripting. I was doing all the manifestation methods that you can think of. I was, um, I think like that witchy era was heavy, like during the 20, I think it was 2020, 2021, it had started becoming popular. So I was looking at all these videos and I was doing spell work. Like I was literally doing anything and everything that I could. And so after this court day, while I was still like, I was coming down from my acid trip and my grandpa literally comes up to me and he's like, your mom was just on the phone. I don't know what you did, but she said, get your shit. Like she doesn't want to see you by the time she comes to pick up my siblings. And I'm like, Oh, I was like, don't have to tell me nothing. So like, I literally pack all my stuff and I'm just getting everything that I can. And I called my, um, I called my sister and I was like, Hey, my mom says she doesn't want me here anymore. Can you come pick me up? And I was like, and she was like, yeah. And so I ended up going back with my sister. And meanwhile, I was still keeping up like the whole facade of like my dad, like, you know, sexually abused me. I didn't tell them that it was a lie, but, um, I'm trying to think of what else. Yeah, so, like, when I went back to my sister's house, I feel like things kind of changed. Um, Like, 
she had let me that's that's what that's also the time I had started like that was my first time smoking weed too so the friend M that I told you guys about I had introduced him to my sister and I was like yeah like this is my best friend like we're really like we're cool like we're we're just friends and <laughs> I will never forget this day either because uh the first time I ever got high was with him and I remember we were in my room because my sister like allowed him to come over and stuff and um we were in my room just chilling and then I remember he brought weed brownies and I was like I was like so scared to take them but I did anyways and that was the first time like I had ever you know actually like got high and everything and then um yeah so I would just do little stuff like that and I think I told my sister I think I told my sister at some point I was like yeah like I've been smoking weed and she she was like oh okay and then I feel like that's when she started like buckling down she was like okay and she got like super strict so it went from like being a little bit lenient like she was still like telling me stuff but like it went from being like a little bit lenient to like super strict like hardcore I remember like she oh it was just like she was nagging me so hard like anything that I would do she would call my sister-in-law tell her and then she would take my phone for like months and months at a time and I would just get grounded for literally no re- like anything like like the slightest thing like the littlest thing that I did even if it was just like I don't know I, I can't even remember because it was so long ago but like um being on my phone too much or like taking naps during the day like I would get grounded for that stuff and she would take my phone and then whenever she took my phone like I had to like be super like super good and I had to do my homework downstairs I couldn't sleep or take naps during the day she put me on like a schedule she made like a whole entire rule book of things I had to follow and like I hated this that was not something that like I took very well to at all because if you look back I was able to like have free reign and do whatever I wanted to do my parents didn't pay attention to me at all so now it went from like you know she was being cool and nice and I could tell her things and to now it was just like nagging me on my ass strict I had to do this I had to follow a certain schedule if I didn't follow that schedule I would get my phone taken away I would get my like she at one point like whenever she would give me back my phone she had a lock on it so that it my whole entire phone would just like shut down after a certain time and like I had to turn in my phone at night I had to turn in my laptop after I did my homework and it was like so controlling I hated it and you know we always got into arguments like that because she and then like she would always involve like my sister-in-law she would be calling her and telling her like yeah she's manipulative she's trying to like gaslight me into like feeling bad for her and I'm just like I'm not even trying to get you to feel bad for me, big bro. Like, I'm literally, <laughs> like, I wasn't even trying to get her to feel any type of way for me. Like, but she was just genuinely so overwhelming and it just triggered me even more and it just made things worse because, like, I, like, I w- it was, like, kind of like that survival mode again, too, because she would come in my room and if I wasn't doing something quote-unquote productive, she would, like, again, take my phone, or she would, like, um, threaten to print out some worksheets, like, some math worksheets for me to do, even if I was just sitting there, like, doing my makeup, or if I was doing something that was, like, pertaining to self-care, I was doing my hair, doing something, um, and I was, like, genuinely scared to, like, fall asleep, too, because I was just, like, oh, my God, like, if I fall asleep at a random time, she's gonna come in my room, and she's gonna, like, you know, like, cuss me out or something, or she's gonna, like, take my phone, and I didn't want to deal with that, so, like, um, 
you know, I really had to be like alert and I had to be cautious of like every single thing that I did and I hated it. It was absolutely the worst. And she had a way of just like digging, like she, like my sister was the type of person, like she had her own issues, like, and everything. And she was taking, like, she just had her own mental, mental health issues. And it didn't help the fact that like, we were so close in age. I was 15 and she was literally 25. So like, she was like working on her own stuff. So, I mean, I don't blame her, blame her. She like, it, it was overwhelming. I was dealing with a lot of trauma and I didn't really get the help that I needed at all. So like me coming from a traumatic household and go, having gone through all of that stuff, like, of course I'm going to be a hot ass mess. Like that's just how I was. And so like she had, like, it was just really overwhelming. And I remember um, there was a certain, like, it was around a certain time. I don't remember. She had taken my phone and I was on my computer doing something and she had came home one day and she was like, oh, you were trying to get into your phone through your computer. Like, so now you're going to have to turn in your laptop again. And I'm just like, I'm not doing that. And I got so sick. I was like, I'm just not doing that. She's like, what? You're talking back to me. And then like, she took my computer and literally smashed it. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I was literally like, what the hell? And I started, I like pushed her. Like, I was pissed. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're being so controlling. Like, it's not even, even like people, even people that were like in the house were just like, come on now, you're doing a little bit too much. And, like, my grades were fine. Like, it wasn't like I was slipping at all. She was just doing way too much. And, you know, we had gotten to, like, this huge fight. And I think that day it had also ended up coming out that, like, I had lied about my dad. So, like, the whole family was over. And, like, everyone was telling me how disappointed they were in me. And my sister was, like, throwing up all my trauma in my face. And she was just like, yeah, you're a hoe, this and that. Like, your parents were right about you. She called my dad. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't believe you guys. And, like, just, like me sitting there having to hear that I'm just like it just made things so much worse and I was just like okay well now you know I'm in the situation where like everybody just like doesn't believe me anymore I have no credibility credibility like all of my traumas just like it doesn't matter anymore just gone out the window now I'm like this person who they who they said I was so I'm like this rebellious person my parents are right about me I'm this I'm that like I don't want to listen without ever really like it was very much surface level. It was everything that they were saying about me was so surface level. And I feel like they just like, it was just, yeah, it was a lot. And so um, she had ended up like, again, taking all my electronics from me. And I had actually like had my grandma, I was talking to my grandma too. I had her order me a phone and like, it was coming on that day too. Like, so I was like literally running to try to get the phone. And she knew that I was like, she knew that I had a phone and she was literally like on top of me, like, trying to grab the phone away from me. It was a huge, like, argument and fight, and she ended up calling my worker saying, I'm going to have to go to, like, some type of program placement thing, and she was like, I'm not dealing with this anymore, and so, um, like, I was in my room, nothing, like, she took the whole entire TV out of my room, like, I had nothing. I was just sitting there looking at a wall while she was, like, walking back and forth talking shit about me and saying anything that she could and literally calling everybody on my phone and telling them, like, all this shit about me like she was just doing the most she called every single person on my contact list and told them like a whole bunch of shit about me that was like negative and um she just yeah like it was it was an everybody thing like everybody knew what was happening everybody she told the story to everybody about who I was about what I did and um it was very embarrassing for me and it was also like 
again, traumatic because I was just like, I was doing what I normally did. And again, there was no help at all. There was just very surface level. And so after that, I got fed up. So I believe like one day I had just like put on my stuff, like I put on my stuff, like my shoes and everything. And I ended up just like walking out the door and I was just like, you know what, I'm not coming back. Originally, I was like, okay, maybe I'll just take a walk. And then I was like, I was thinking about my life. And I was just like, you know what, I don't even want to come back. Like, I'm just homeless again. Like, I was like, this is happening again. And I just felt so terrible. And I was just like, all of this is my fault. Like, I don't know what to do. And so I was just like walking around for hours and hours. And I remember coming into this little plaza and there was like this lady at a daycare and I, I had asked to use her phone and I had called B and I was like, can you please come pick me up? And oh, mind you, like, sorry, backstepping, like um, a couple months prior to this, like while I was still living with my, living with my sister, um, B had actually like, he had took a trip up to like Missouri and he was staying in Missouri, which was only like a couple hours away from Michigan, like 12 hours actually, which is way like significantly better than 24 hours from Texas. So he ended up, ended up driving 12 hours to come see me for literally like an hour and a half while I was like working at a job because I was working at like a little, a little like home, like a home that my um, sister had got me into. So I like took my break and I went to go see him for like maybe an hour and a half. And um, all we did was like just do the deed and then he left so that was kind of where our relationship standed and I ended up calling him and I was just like can you please come pick me up like I told him everything that happened he was just like I can't do anything like I don't want to get in trouble and stuff and he was just like yeah all that and um there was this like really nice couple that um like the lady the lady that worked at the daycare actually like had a husband that was like a pastor at a church and I had ended up like sitting with him and he was talking to me about everything. I was just telling him the whole situation and they were so nice. Like he had, and then he was like, do you have anywhere to go? Like I would offer you to stay here, but like, you know, it's a, it's a liability and stuff. And I was just like, and that's when I had remembered, I was like, oh wait, my sister-in-law, like I can go to her house. And so he had ended up Ubering me over there and I just kind of like walked in the door and I was like, hey y'all, how y'all doing? <laughs> and they were like, what the hell? We were so worried about you because I had left during the day and it was like maybe 10 o'clock at night when I had actually like walked into her house. And I, that's originally where I was planning to go, but I just didn't know how to get there by walking. Like I didn't know the directions or anything. And so when he had Ubered me there, um, I kind of had just like told my sister everything. And then like, um, you know, my sister, my sister-in-law was kind of more understanding about like everything because she, she had issues with my sister as well and she knew how she was and she just had like she was very mean and she can be like controlling sometimes and she had like very severe like bipolar like she was just not okay and like um I think I'm trying to like sum up the story because I know I'm coming up on another hour and I do not want to make this like super long so like basically I ended up like long story short there was a whole entire fight like between my sister-in-law my brother and my sister and her mom and all of that so we kind of like stopped my sister-in-law and my brother stopped talking to my sister and her mom and all that stuff because it was just like really toxic and the things that they were doing like there was issues way before I had even got there and like the situation with me just kind of like enhanced those issues so they were just like I don't want to deal with this anymore like my sister was very dramatic my sister like my sister-in-law 
agreed with me and agreed with me and she was like yeah I don't think that that was right like she doesn't have a kid so she doesn't know like how to treat people and she's like bipolar she has issues and she was like really understanding with me about like lying about my dad she was just like I understand like you did what you had to do you were in survival mode you know that it's not okay so like I'm not gonna hold any grudges against you and she offered me like that shoulder um like that supportive shoulder and I really like clicked with her and we just had like that really close bond like off rip and I would tell her every like this is the person like I told everything to like over the time like she had offered her and my brother and had offered to like take me in I didn't ask them or anything like I was fully prepared to just like go back into CPS do whatever I had to do like I didn't care at this point so like I didn't offer for them to take care of me or anything but they I didn't like beg them to take care of me they just offered to take me in and you know my worker was like okay that's fine as long as she has somewhere to stay like I was sleeping on the couch which I didn't give a shit because it was somewhere to stay and it wasn't like I didn't have to go to any home or anything so I was just happy that I didn't have to do that and I had ended up staying with them over the span of like three years a lot has a lot a lot like if I talk about everything that happened when I was staying with them it would be a whole hour long like another episode but basically to just like sum it up really quick I got into a toxic relationship for one year with my ex and you know he put me through dangerous situations I was still talking to him and we had a falling out because like I would kind of like go between I would go back and forth between him and my my ex and I would like kind of play both fields a little bit because I didn't know like who to choose and all that stuff and and then like my sister-in-law and my brother were on the verge of, like, kicking me out multiple times because I was just, like, I was a lot. Like, I, I still had all this trauma. I had insecurities. I could barely even look myself in the mirror and say, I love you. And, like, it was just, like, deep insecurities. And then where me and my sister-in-law's relationship kind of fell off was when we went on a cruise. And before we went on this cruise, my sister, like, and the relation, the dynamic between me and my sister-in-law was, like, cool like she let me kind of like do what I wanted to do she let me smoke and go out with my boyfriend she let my boyfriend spend the night like I would smoke with her I would tell her everything she would tell me stuff about her personal life she would even tell me things about her like my brother and like I didn't really mind because me and my brother didn't have a close relationship me and her were way more closer than me and my brother was and the dynamic between my sister-in-law and my brother was similar to my mom and my dad because my my brother would just kind of like sit on the sidelines and let my and let my sister-in-law do everything while he just like didn't say anything let her do whatever she wanted to do and he didn't really have like an impact like like he didn't really have a say so in like my life or anything she was the one making all the decisions and taking me to all my appointments and like she was kind of like both the role of mom and dad so you know, there wasn't really any boundaries or anything, and we had went on this cruise, and um, before we went on the cruise, she was like, yeah, you know, forget about your boyfriend, like, I have condoms in my bag and stuff like that, and when I had went on the cruise, I had actually ended up, like, you know, cheating on him, and I had went, and I told her, I was just like, girl, I'm scared, like, I don't know if the condom broke or anything, and she had ended up, like, she was like, oh, okay, I don't know, like, she was cool with that at first, like, she didn't seem like she was mad at all, but then the next day, she was, like, telling me, like, how I'm nasty, and my brother resented me, 
for all of the stuff that happened with my dad and she was just like throwing up a lot of stuff on my face and saying that she doesn't want me there anymore and I'm just like gross nasty disgusting and I cheated on my boyfriend and I should be ashamed and I'm just like girl you literally set me up because how are you going to tell me that you have condoms in your bag and this this and that and a third and to forget about my boyfriend and then when I do you get mad at me and throw up a whole bunch of shit that I didn't even know of in my face and it was just like a whole shabam so like and yeah it was a whole thing and then um I think even after that like I they had ended up like you know letting me stay there anyways and I had like I had like multiple tantrums like I was bad and um I think there was one point and then um that spiritual psychosis that I had went through when I was like smoking weed and like I tried to open up my chakras if you want like a better explanation of that like please go on my um TikTok, I have a more in-depth explanation on that, but I went through my psychosis there. Like, it was just a lot because, you know, I was staying with them for almost three years. And so there was one point where I was just like, you know what, I got to get my shit together. And I was like, I had like finally started working as a, at a good job and I was a server. I was making a lot of money. I was able to like buy everyone Christmas gifts and, you know, everyone, they were just saying how proud they were of me and like how they accepted me in the family and that they love me. There were multiple times where my sister was like crying and because the court date was still going on, like court was still going on and everything. And like, there was always a possibility that I could have went home. You know, my sister was telling me, my sister-in-law was telling me about how, like, shitty my mom was, and she doesn't understand how anyone could do that to her child, and at one point, I literally had to tell her to stop talking shit about my mom, because she would literally go on Facebook and just, like, slander my mom, and, you know, like, talk all this mess about her, and I'm just like, I just want to leave that behind me, like, can you please stop talking about my mom, like, I don't even, you know, it's cool, and, um, so yeah, like I had ended up like getting my shit together, got a job, was working on my stuff, and they were telling me how proud they were of me. I had like broke up with my toxic ex, and I was just like finally in a place where I could like breathe. I could work on myself, work on my healing. I was in therapy, um, and I remember, oh goodness, so like there was one point where I was I was making friends, and I had like a really good trio of friends that I would hang out with. We would all go smoke. And at this time, like, I was able to smoke again. My Me and my sister would smoke. And she had literally, like, set three bags of weed on my bed prior. And um, then, like, one day when my friend was staying over, she had, like, started up a whole entire argument with me about how um, I'm smoking too much and I'm not thinking about my responsibilities and all this stuff. When I, like, it didn't make any sense at all because – and all of this had started because I left the dish on the table or something and I didn't clean it up and I was just like girl I came home at like 12 o'clock at night like I'm not gonna get to it immediately and I have my friend over here so obviously I'm like I'm gonna be a little bit lenient on the stuff that I clean up and it wasn't like I didn't clean up at all like I was actually the one that cleaned up their whole entire house like it was I was like and if you know me too like if you know me I am the most cleanest person you will ever meet in your entire life like I do not like to leave filth on the counter like I clean up after myself and so it was just like a really random like stupid argument and she was just like yeah like I, I just don't want you to spiral I'm just telling you this because I care about you and yada 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 and there were and like there have been multiple times where I feel like she set me up but I kind of just like let it go because I you know didn't want to they were taking care of me at the end of the day so I was just like you know I don't want to like have this perspective about them and so I was really pissed off and I was just like okay whatever like you know, and then she had went into her room and I went back into the kitchen where my friend was. And I said literally two words and I was just like, whew, that was a lot to unpack. 
and she came and then my sister-in-law came around the corner and was just like oh you're talking shit about me you need to get out when you're 18 and it just like started this whole entire argument and like she ended up calling the police on me like over exaggerating the shit out of everything and saying that like I scratched her and all of this stuff when I and I broke her window when all I did was take out the screen protector and she ended up like um blocking me from the door like she wanted me to leave and like she was calling my case she was like I'm gonna call your caseworker your mom was right about you saying the same things that my other family members said throwing up all my trauma in my face saying like yeah you lied about your dad and this this and that like all the stuff she would comfort me about before was now like thrown thrown in my face she called me crazy and psychotic because I had a spiritual psychosis and she was like yeah you're fucking crazy you need to be locked up in a mental institution and like you're insane and um yeah and like I had tried to leave but she was like blocking the blocking the doors and um even though she wanted me to leave in the first place and I had to end up going out the window and that's why I took out the screen protector and she was like literally holding me back and I was like trying with all my might to like just get out and she was like you know what fuck you and she let go of my shirt and she shoved me out the window and I fell on the ground and I was like an emotional wreck for days um and there was one point where my my friend's mom had like called her and like tried to resolve the situation she was like okay I'm calm you can come back and I'm like bitch you're calm like I'm not calm and you know I had went back there anyways and it was just like a whole mess and I was actually going there to have like an adult conversation with her but she kept antagonizing me the whole entire time talking about oh you know I called the police on you and da 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 and she was like you're crazy you're psychotic and I'm just like you wanted to have an adult conversation with me stop calling me names and like talk like if you want to have an adult conversation with me talk to me like an adult and she just was calling me crazy and all this stuff and I was just like you know what I'm out whatever and um yeah so like my friend had helped like helped me got oh my goodness sorry my friend was helping me get hotels and everything and like I was really scared because I didn't know like where I was gonna sleep that was the last family member that I was like willing to go with and that was the last family member that I could go with so I knew from that oh sorry I knew from that point on that I was on my own and at this time that's also when like God I felt like really started speaking to me and I just kind of, like, my whole entire purpose was revealed to me. And, like, I just never noticed how people will, like, say one thing. And they'll, like, portray a certain image of themselves. And then, like, actually show their true colors. And I felt like this was, like, with my whole entire family. They they really, it was, like, a whole bunch of generational curses. And, you know, spirit really revealed to me, like, some deep heavy things and a lot of stuff about what my purpose was and I got really in tune with my spirituality and I honestly don't know where I would be if I didn't have God at that time I was really quiet and I was listening to my spirit at this time and as well as listening to like all the signs and synchronicities and of course building my relationship with um God and my spiritual team so um and that's why I say all of this to say like that's why God had put so many like reminders in my spirit of like, okay, and I had looked up what my name meant this around this time too. And it was like, Shira means brightness. And my I was born on 555, which is the angel number of change. And all of these like readings that I was getting, like I, I have a specific tarot reader that I go to um, online and, you know, all of these like messages 
that I was getting, it was just like, it was so clear to me. And, you know, there was also like this experience that I had with an angel that I felt like visited me at my job because I was like, that was probably one of my lowest points in my life. I felt like I had no, nobody, like there was no family. I didn't talk to a single family member. Everyone was on, like everyone was on the same page about like who I was and, you know, how I operated. And I was just like this, like whole trauma child, not trauma child, like problem child. And, you know, I'm just manipulative and evil and negative and, you know, she had even, like, went on Facebook and was just, like, yeah, like, she's so negative, and, it, like, she was a completely different person, like, the person that I was used to was just, like, this comforting, caring, loving person, and, like, she just completely changed, um, and, I mean, I guess you could say, like, and my theory is, like, they used me for the CPS checks because after, like, the CPS payments ended, that's when they started, like, acting fishy, like, she had my whole entire room packed up within less than an hour, and it was thrown in the garage, like, I meant nothing, like, the whole entire three years that I was staying with them meant nothing, and if you want more, like, details on all this, I do have story times on my TikTok, because I know we're coming up on another hour, um, I'm so sorry, this was so long, but, um, I am going to make another, um, another podcast episode about how to heal from all this because I feel like I just trauma dumped on all of you guys so if you stayed like I don't know maybe this is like three hours if you stayed this whole entire time you are goaded you're a real one um thank you for listening to my story and let me know what you think like let me know how you're unpacking all of this like if you listen to it let me know like your thoughts and um again please go check out my tiktok if um if you want like any more in depth like about how I became homeless um, my psychosis, all of that stuff I have on my TikTok. And yeah, like I said, my my spirituality and my strength has definitely grown over time. And I have like truly turned my pain into power, which I will be talking about in the next episode. But okay, I'm done. I'm done. End of the story. Yay! <laughs> of course, that wasn't everything, but I tried to like make it as short as I could with giving you guys the most information as possible. But um, thank you guys for listening, and I will see you guys on Sunday at 7 p.m. next Sunday.